Hi, I'm Kara Kilmer. I play Sylvie Brennan on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Minas and Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hi shyhards welcome to episode 252 of meet us at molly's of course we're covering the episodes you watched this week so 8 15 11 15 10 15 oh it's been a day y'all it's been a day as you know you listen on friday we record on thursday night so it's not just myself and Bryna this week our little sister lauren is here and not only is she here but she's like next to me here she's physically with me here in texas and she's currently wearing her little sister shirt and i love it hi lauren hi <laughs> we love 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 when lauren joins us on the pod and so yeah it's been a day you guys because like we've been prepping and everything and then lauren survived her first like texas springtime thunderstorm today uh it's not even spring it technically it's winter still technically still winter and yeah didn't i experience it already and then it just followed me here yeah because it did come from california so yeah. that's that is correct yeah yeah i just brought it here so uh um, then it's going to the east coast yeah so you're just like you yeah you're just like bringing it with you wherever you go i know wow that's like big time power you're like a disney princess i know i control the weather <laughs> Oh Lord. Um, so we 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 of course coped with the terrible storms that were coming through um via margaritas and pizza. <laughs> so one side of the pod squad is extremely lit right now. And ignore. Ignore. Um, and Brian is being the responsible adult on the East Coast. And uh it's gonna be a good one this week. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we always like to start with the news. We don't have any news. We're going into another hiatus. It's kind of nice and quiet. So, ooh, I shouldn't have said the Q word. That was a bad no, idea. That ooh, was a bad idea. Bad Gina. Gina bad Gina. We're literally on. filming the finale in a couple weeks. That was, sorry, guys. My bad. My bad. <laughs> I take full responsibility. That was my fault. Sorry. Um. Yeah, no news. But as usual, if you see anything, please send it to us. You guys are so good about that. We really appreciate it. No patron shout outs this week. All good. If you'd like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, please check the link in our socials to our Patreon page, all sorts of cool stuff there. Uh, you guys, we're having a meetup this weekend because, you know, we're basically, we're taking the pod in New York City and it's become like a shy hot spot for the weekend. Like the parties Apparently. in New York City. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Who knew? I know. So we're, we're having like a legit meetup with our New York, New Jersey patrons this week and it's going to be awesome. So check out the, pa- check out the Patreon group because we have a lot of fun and we have formed such a family. Mm-hmm. It, it's a blast we have it's a really really, really good time yeah like the 24-hour zoom that's going on right now is crazy so crazy so crazy that's uh, wild yeah we're so lucky to have you guys like our patron family and our listener family it's just like it's bananas if you just like yeah. sit back and think about it and be like whoa and a lot of our new york new york and new jersey patrons they're commuting like an hour into the city this weekend yeah they're like oh yeah okay it's fine like kind of last minute but whatever we're doing it it's fine oh my god like you guys we love y'all so much that's so cool yeah so really really cool but yes if you see any news send it to us if you like join the patron group please check the link in our socials if you have any questions please send them to us we appreciate it greatly. So uh, usually we have news to discuss and we don't. So I guess we can just jump right into the episode, shall we? Let's do it. Okay. So this was an interesting weekend in Chicago. And by interesting week, I mean, Med was not that great. It's probably top 
five weirdest med episodes ever. It was boring. It was weird. It was a lot of things. Nothing spicy. No. no. Also, I didn't realize until like half with your episode, I was like, we barely saw Hannah, and I definitely feel like that was part of it. Not only did like, we barely see her, but she was on like the side case. But like for like two she seconds. Part, like the side case, she wasn't even in it really. She was just helping. She it? like took Charles, in the psych patient and then she turned him over. Yeah. yeah. But like helping Dr. Charles too. I feel like that, like, honestly, I was like, where's Hannah? I was like, where's Hannah? And I like, literally, I was just like, it felt like such a big missing part of the episode with like not having her have like a whole fleshed out storyline. I was like, oh, this is weird. It was really weird. Yeah. And then just the storylines were weird. You and Bryna are on the Archer and Hannah train. I'm on the platform, like, waving, saying, bye, guys, have a safe trip. Listen, Lauren and I like the same tropes, tropes. same, <laughs> yeah, the tropes. I'm so. well, I don't get it. Like, it's just, it's there. I don't. You I don't, don't want to see Lauren and I's text messages about the books we read, so it's fine. <laughs> I kind of do now, though. It's fine. I'm intrigued. <laughs> also, I'm contemplating, like, reading Daisy Jones and the Six just because you guys are doing it, and I don't want to be left out. Lauren and I buddy read all the time. Yeah. <laughs> we read like a book, like one book a day, at least. I feel so left out, but also I don't read. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. All right. So let's start off with Archer. Um, yeah. So Sean is on step nine of the 12 steps. Step nine is making amends. So that's basically where you go and find everybody you've harmed and basically apologize to them. So... You can kind of tell, like, Archer's been through this before, right? He's, this is not his first go-around of making amends, whether it be from Sean or Mama Archer, because we did get some Mama Archer background in this episode. We did get some background. Okay, bit. so we find out Mama Archer is an alcoholic. She is an alcoholic. Yep. And I feel like this explains a lot about him. This unlocks a lot more feelings for him that make a lot of sense. Yeah, it really... I feel like this is the stuff, and then obviously at the end, like, I feel like this is the stuff, like, little bit, as we get little bits here and there, I'm like, I want more of this. I was like, give me more of this. Yeah. This was the best, I mean, this was the best part of the whole episode, well, the end of this storyline, but this storyline in general was, like, the best part of the episode. And they only got two scenes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. But, like, a lot of the way that Archer has acted leading up to this moment makes so much sense now because he is probably, he probably hates himself because he couldn't stop either his wife or his son from becoming addicted. Right. But that's also not how addiction works. Yeah. Never mind, he probably resents his ex-wife for... You think we're going to meet the ex-wife? Yeah. I hope so. When the sun dies. <laughs> I mean, I said the same thing. I know. Like, yeah, I know. I know. I know. You don't like nobody like turns their life around in Chicago and then is like, and it's happy at the end. Yeah. Nope. Like, you know, it's coming. We're still sticking yeah, with that uh, Sean Archer death trope. Unfortunately, if not wrong, we'll wear clown masks. But then, what is that going to do to Archer's character? Because literally, his like having this relationship with his son has like completely changed and like grown his character. So, what is that going to do? It's gonna if he dies. I know. I, I feel like 
I honestly feel like if Sean does die, then it, we're just going to end up back in the same art with the same archer that we had and we all hated because he's going to be grieving and he's going to go back to the same grumpy old man. And we're like, this is not the archer we like, though. And it's like, I know. I hate to say this and I'm probably only saying it because I'm a little drunky, but it's going to pave the way for Archer and Hannah, isn't it? Probably. Yeah. Damn it. And I literally wrote t- like tweeted this how I felt the buzz for Hannah and Archer and I you would have said like I killed kids like <laughs> the way people reacted was so scary but like yeah. you can't deny there's a buzz like there is a buzz I like chemistry it. and it's so it's like so good like the buzz is there it's really good it's so good I don't see it I don't feel it I see them on screen together and I just like sit there and I'm like where is it I just wait for it it just does not So you just see them strictly as like a good bro tp Hannah and Archer yes I can agree with that I cannot even see them as a bro tp like they're either fucking or they're not like (laughs) I mean I I think they're going that point I think right now they're at like good bro tp level but I do, <laughs> I do think they're going there eventually. I hope they do. Good. <laughs> so this is how this is going tonight. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a long night. It's gonna be a long night. Okay. The filter's going on. Sorry. <laughs> we are like not even ten percent of the way through the pod. And we haven't even gotten to PD. Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was really funny. Uh, Yeah. So. Anyway. Anyway. um, Yeah. Archer does not want to make amends. But also, like, time and place. Okay? I get that, like, Archer was like, you're my son. I'm going to meet you before my shift. But, like, dude, right before your shift is not the time to be like, hey, let's remind you of every horrible thing I've ever said ever. So and you can forgive me for me. it before you go to work. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, I think Archer has wanted to, but I think Archer was not necessarily caught off guard by the conversation. I just don't think he was maybe, like you said, in the headspace in that moment to, like, have that conversation. Yeah. Um, And then, obviously, you, like, the storyline kind of mimics Archer's feelings, and then you're like, that's how you end up at the end. But, like, Mm -hmm. still. Yeah. Yeah. So, we get Archer's patient, and she is, she's lost weight. She's had some stomach problems. She's been throwing up. We find a mass in her stomach. Um, and she also she briefly mentions her daughter and just how her daughter has her own health issues but like take that detail and like store it in the back of your head so we find out that it's a bezor which i'm you've seen harry potter right lauren isn't a bezor what harry uses to save ron in the sixth movie is that order the phoenix no half-blood prince if you google bezor harry potter it comes up so i assume so but what part it's when like Dumbledore gives them the mead because like um Ron takes like the 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 spell (gasps) yes I know what you're talking about okay yeah so the minute he said that I was like are you making a Harry Potter reference ew yes sorry hold up the image she googled she googled yeah I googled oh I just googled Bezor Harry Potter and it came up so so yeah so a Bezor in like non-Harry Potter terms is basically a foreign mass that happens like that accumulates in your stomach it's a mass of hair literally like a giant i've never heard of that in my entire i'm not a harry potter person so i've never heard of that in my entire life so i've actually heard of this condition so this condition is what's called trichophagia and it's a companion to what's called trichotillomania um 
And I only know about this because I went to middle school with a girl who had trichotillomania. And it's basically where she pulls her hair out. And it's like kind of a form of stress relief or like dealing with anxiety. Uh-huh. Uh, only with trichophagia, instead of just pulling it out and leaving it at that, she pulls it out and eats it. We're not going to judge here. We're not going to judge. This is a, it, it, it's a bona fide condition. It's an illness. That, what? It's an illness. It's an illness. Yeah. And it, it affects a lot more Americans than we think. Uh, but yeah, so she basically, she eats her, she eats hair. And so the daughter arrives and we find out that the daughter has breast cancer. She's already lost all of her hair. And so what we find out is that the mom's not eating her hair. She's eating her daughter's hair. And the reason why is because, you know, as the daughter was like staying with her and everything, she was losing her hair on her pillowcase in the shower and everything. And as the mom would eat the hair, it would just kind of put her at ease and take all of the bad feelings away. You know, it's her, it's her baby. So she's trying to hang on to whatever she can. Kind of a means of, you know, I guess getting control when things are uncontrollable. I will say I'm not obviously judging the illness because it is, like you said, it's a real illness. But I will say the way that Med presented it at first until you get to that point and you realize why she's been doing this. I was like, what is going on? I was like, this is kind of bizarre. Yeah, it's they, they just odd. make it seem like she's a real weird weirdo and she's not like you learn why in the end that she's actually sick and she's got, you know, I can't say the condition, whatever you just said, Trisha, whatever, whatever. Yeah, that. But I just feel like they presented it in like a, this is really weird. And then you learn out and you're like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the mom has been eating her daughter's hair. And, you know, after like she, because when, when Nellie first presents her with the idea of like, hey, you know, we know what this is. Like trichotillomania is a thing. Trichophagia is a thing. Uh, she was pretty much in denial. And she was like, do not tell my daughter. But once they figured it out and the daughter came in, she was like, okay, I have to tell you something. But, you know, again, it's a it's a real illness. It is it affects people. It, I think Nellie said it affects like about a million Americans a year, which is I mean, that's a pretty big number. So, yeah, yeah, pretty big, pretty big. So all of this basically sparks Archer to meet back up with Sean at the end. And I guess they have a little bit of a come to Jesus meeting, right? They kind of pull it together. Mm hmm. Yeah, so, and we pulled the clip. All right, uh, okay, so, uh, so you, you mentioned your mother. Uh, all I ever wanted when you were a kid was to get her to stop drinking, but she wouldn't. She couldn't, she couldn't. And uh, I don't know what to do. And, uh, and then, you know, you started having your your problems and because uh, I just sort of checked out and uh, I wasn't there for you guys I just I wasn't and uh, I, I, I should have tried harder and instead I just got angry you know and I tried to just push it all away and I ended up pushing you my own son away and uh I don't know if I'll ever be able to say this to her. When? But Sean, I wasn't there for you. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Dad. You're here now. Am I? 
I was like in full blown tears. I was like, this is the best thing of, well, not the best thing of the whole night, but like up there for sure. Literally was sobbing. Was yeah. sobbing. I was like, how did Archer become one of my faves? Isn't it so like, funny? Thought how this when time did last I become year... a full blown Archer stan? Like, yeah. literally. I swear this time last year we like hated him and now we're like, oh, Archer, like we understand everything. But I feel like this is what we've been waiting, like this whole storyline and especially like even like you said up until this episode really, like this is what we've been waiting for. Yeah. It's like these moments and you're like, this is what makes you, even if you weren't totally on board with Archer, like I don't know how anyone's not on board with Archer after this. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 got to be a whole lot of resentment there. Not just for himself, but for, you know, for the wife. And yeah, the wife has to come back. Like she has to, we're going to meet her. But there's only, I mean, there's not that many more episodes. So like, if you're going to introduce the wife and potentially kill him off all within like six more episodes, I mean, five more, six more episodes, like that ain't a lot of more time. Like Rotten Tomatoes it. I can't wait until we have uh, Stephen Hootstein on in the fall, or in the, in the fall, in the spring. And he's just like, you guys are ridiculous. Like, you don't know how far <laughs> off you were with the Sean Archer theory. Like, or he's not going to say anything because we're dead on. Or that. That. You guys, for there the is record, no in the middle. Completely 110% clear with you guys. We don't know anything. We don't know anything. We are just, in our heads, we are just like... We're can we're head Sean Archer's gonna die because it just makes sense. You don't know anything. Do you know <laughs> things? No. <laughs> Can't take Lauren anywhere. No. No. But, but it's good to see him make these strides with his son. And then I love that Sean was so understanding too. He was like, Dad, you're here now. Yeah. And like that's what matters. Yeah. I love it. Big strides. Yeah, no, I loved everything about this. This was the best. Yep, for sure, for sure. So this episode was such a mixed bag, though, because there's not a ton to grab onto with this episode. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I feel like we just went through Archer pretty quickly, but, like, there's not a ton. No, for once, Med didn't have it. Fire, I feel like, had 20 million things going on, which is usually how I feel about Med, and Med didn't have, like, as much going on. Right, right. Yeah, which rarely happens. Like, usually, yeah. Usually it's reversed. Usually it's like, oh, fire didn't have as much, especially when you take out all the, like, calls and stuff. But usually it's med, and it's like, I feel like it was reversed this week. Yeah. So. All right, next up in the hospital, we've got Dr. Charles, Hannah, Nellie. It was kind of a really mixed bag, weird kind of mix. Mm -hmm. People were getting, like, pulled from different storylines into other ones. It was kind of hard to keep track of. Hannah was in there for two seconds, and then she never was seen again. I mean... It was weird. Yeah. It was weird. Brenna, take it away. So, the episode opens up, and you've got Dr. Charles striking with the custodial workers, which literally last week he was like, oh, no, I can't talk to the paper because, you know, my job. And now he's, like, out there on the line. And I was like, I did not expect that. Boyfriend of the year. He's going for boyfriend of the year, at least. Yeah. And, you know, they're talking about how their chant is dignity, respect, more money in our checks. And so he's out there. And Goodwin comes over and he's like, you know, it's very important for me to feel that Liliana feels like I have her back. Um, And he's like, I'm not breaking any law. He's like, it's my day off. Like, I'm not, you know, skipping work. He's just like, you know, like you said, boyfriend of the year. And Goodwin just like- like Goodwin's yeah. what the fuck face is hilarious because she's, she's just, just like, like 
okay, you do you, dude. Like, whatever. This poor woman has, like, absolutely had this episode. And this episode is just a giant hour of her just being completely fed up. Yeah. And then finally she's just like, fuck it all. Kind of funny. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. So, like we said earlier, so the case really starts with Hannah taking in what ends up being a psychiatry case. But it's literally just because she even makes a comment. She's like, oh, yeah, all the other attendants are busy. You get me. Like, she literally explains why she's on the case. That's literally the writers being like, we didn't know what to do with you this episode. So here's here's your one scene. Okay, bye. Oh, my God. Because literally, she's only in, like, this one scene, and then she's done. And then, like I said, I forgot she was even in that scene. And then, like, halfway through the episode, I was like, is Hannah even been in this episode? And everyone's like, yeah, she was for, like, two seconds. So I was like, oh. Well, there helps, she helps with the with the Dr. Charles and the... The procedure, like the ECT. The yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that, too. But, she but still, like, two she seconds. is there. Yeah. yeah. Probably because she's an OB and hasn't done that procedure in, like, 15 years. Literally. Yeah. So they get a patient, David Sullivan. He's back. He's worked with Dr. Charles and Nellie before, which we've seen him, right? Yeah, he was earlier yes. this season. That's what I was, I just couldn't remember exactly which episode it was. I meant to look back and see what which episode specifically, but so he comes in and he's having some kind of episodes or whatever. And basically he is having the mindset that he he's like he literally says to Nellie, he's like, You can't help me because I'm already dead. So that's where we're at. It's like, oh, it's just a normal Wednesday on Chicago Med. Yeah. Um, And basically he ends up saying it's because of the meds he's on. Like as soon as he sees Nellie and like Nellie comes down and she's like, yeah, you know, I've worked with you. Like I've treated you many times. And he's like, he remembers her and he's like, oh shit. He's like, he even says, he's like, you're the one. He's like, you're basically the reason I feel like this. Like you're the one that got me on the meds in the first place. Um. So Nellie's kind Dr. Of- Charles on that case too. That's what I don't get. Was it wasn't it Dr. Charles and ne- Doc and Nellie? Nellie tagged him in. No, I know, but I mean like in the first episode with him. It was both of them. Oh, I don't remember. So why was yeah. she just like why was I think like- it was just in the moment, like if you have like Hannah and Nellie standing there and then like his parents, like he obviously doesn't recognize Hannah, but he recognized Nellie and he's like, Oh yeah, it's you. Like you're the one, you know. Yeah. But yeah, so basically Nellie's like, I well, I've tried everything I know what to do. So let me go get Dr. Charles from the picket line. And <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah, sorry to bother you. And Dr. Charles is like, no, 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 it's fine. And it's like, okay. like Was he like secretly looking for an out, you think? Was he like walking the picket line being like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. Like, I really hope nobody spots me. <laughs> Who knows what he was doing? I mean, trying to be a good boyfriend, clearly, but yeah. So basically they end up working on, again, still working with David. And he basically just says he feels like his insides are rotting. He basically doesn't want any more medicine. And also he just turned 18. So he he can basically dictate that for himself, that no medicine means no medicine. So Dr. Charles suggests what is called ECT, electroconvulsive therapy. And it works. Like you said, Hannah's in there on the procedure too, which like, okay, but yeah um doesn't say a word okay i'm I'm curious though like when you have somebody who's like out of their specialty like that like do they just like google what to do like what all doctor i mean because obviously in the beginning before you turn to your specialty you have like some baseline of like everything 
But then, you know, it's been like, you know, a long time since you've probably done any, you know, you practice in general, you know, you intern, you know, you do your rotation. So you've had experience and everything. It's just been a while since you've done it. And you're yeah, not but like, if you were to ask me a question about international law, that was over a decade ago. I wouldn't remember for the life of me. I'd be like, fuck if I know, dude. Well, yeah. And then you probably just end up Googling. Or you're probably just there to assist. Like, I don't think anyone's going to be like, Hannah, go do this procedure by yourself. This Unless she was in OR 2.0. I don't know. Like, to not, I enjoyed it, but it was just kind of like, I don't know how to explain it. It just felt kind of like, it's like, how would, the way it just like, how, like, he just was all better after one session. I don't know. Like, it just felt kind of like, obviously, I don't really know anything about this procedure but it just felt kind of like rushed and just kind of fake it's like (laughs) I feel like on the one hand I've liked that they've brought because this is definitely the second or third time now that they've like introduced patients in the beginning of season and like brought them back to like follow up with them again and I like that idea in theory but I feel like like you said Lauren it's like it felt kind of rushed or it felt like there was no end like I don't know I don't feel like it's worked out quite in the way that we would have hoped it would. This entire episode for me gave filler. Yes. Entire episode. Yeah. I mean, literally the only thing that any what somewhat progressed is like Sean and Archer a little bit. Yeah. 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 But I don't know. I feel like I, like I said, I like the idea in theory that they bring patients back, but I feel like it's not quite working or it's not even like, the most memorable patients to me. Like, I, like, kind of vaguely remember this guy, but, like, not really. I remember because weren't his parents, like, in denial at first that he was schizophrenic? Is that the one? I think, I think so. so. Then, then they, like, have to, like, bring him into, like, the boardroom or whatever and talk, sit them down, talk to them. Was that the patient? Probably. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, they always also, remember. it's like, does that treatment work in one session? I don't think, not to my knowledge. Like, why was it so, it was like, unless I'm just, don't remember clearly, but it was just so night and day. Like, he went from, like, just, like, saying that he was dead to being better. And I I don't know. What I feel like, especially if you've been on medicine for any quite amount, I mean, like, any amount of time, you're supposed to, like, you can't just stop that shit cold turkey. Like, you have to, like, taper yourself off of it, too. Yeah. So, like, the fact that he was, like, just stopped it, and they're like, oh, yeah, he's better now. I'm like, that's not how this works. Yeah, no. No. So. Yeah. I don't know. Um, the case just kind of fell flat for me. I was, and then also I was like, why can't Nellie have a win? Like, I know she worked with, um, she was, she was put on the other case, but I don't know. I just feel like they use the interns too much to be, like, okay then the main doctor like crockett or charles or whoever like will shine but then the those interns never have a chance to shine so it just kind of feels like mm. it's like the interns fuck up and then they realize they fucked up and then they have to go tag in the attending to save the day which like i guess that is really the point of like that's how it works in medicine is like you know interns fuck up and they their attendings teach them how to do it the right way but still it's like it would be nice every now and then to see the interns like but Nelly just wasn't even back on that case. So it was just felt like. Yeah. I don't know. And then the whole thing ends and like you've got Dr. Charles like goes back to meet up with Liliana and she like calls him her. That's like the first time she uses the word boyfriend and it's like. 
See, this is not, like, I think they're cute, but, like, this doesn't give me, like, I'm not, like, excited about Dr. Charles and Liliana. Like, are they going to get married? Like, I don't, like, where are they going with this storyline? I don't know. Are they just going to keep them together forever, you know? Until she has some, probably some medical emergency and... Then she's going to die, too. And she dies. Like, that's how these shows work. It just, I don't know. Lauren made the best one-liner earlier today about the situation, and I'm so disappointed in her for not bringing it back up now, but that's okay if you don't want to hear it. It was so funny, though. Okay, fine. Fine. We won't go there. We won't go there, but... Now, Lauren, you have to at least text it to me. Oh, we'll text you right now. now. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um... I thought it was really cute, though. She was like, you're my boyfriend. I was like, oh, like, play the Justin Bieber song. They just don't give me, like, I think they're cute, and I think they're fine, and I'm glad, like, he's got, like, a relationship, but, like, I don't know. They don't give me the same vibe, as Lauren calls it, as, like, the potential of Hannah and Archer do. I'm just kind of like, what am I missing? What am I not seeing? I don't know. I don't know. I got a buzz this week from a one Chicago couple, but it wasn't on Chicago Med. Oh, girl. It was on fire. Maybe. I was not on that train. We'll get there. I know. We'll get there. Um, wait. <laughs> That's not what you said earlier, though. Yes, it was. Not like verbatim. The verbatim phrasing was really funny. I don't remember um new york new jersey patrons you'll probably learn what the phrase was this weekend sorry to everybody else but it was really funny um, like i don't remember, don't remember oh my god i will fix this hold on i literally can't remember okay anyway sorry we digress oh uh, but like i, I <laughs> yeah now you remember i i'm glad dr charles is happy he deserves some happiness yeah, I mean, I like that part. It's just, like, they don't... I'm not, like, excited. I'm not, like, oh, my God, we're getting Dr. Charles and Liliana. Like, I'm not, like, that about that. There's no buzz with it. It's just, like, oh, yes. happy he's happy. Like, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What Lauren okay. said. I'm happy he's happy. Whatever. Yeah, so, Dr. Charles. What is that? Also, can I just quickly say that Nellie's makeup was on point this week? Yeah, she's stunning. She's so stunning. I know. We should try and get Lila on the podcast. Writing it down. We have Dear Lila, be our friend. We, we don't bite. Hiatus. Connor says so. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Devin will say so the week we come back. You guys, yeah. Um, you guys already know that, though. We're having Devin Kowalk on the pod on the week of, the week the show's come back, March 22nd. Yeah. So send us your Kai questions and keep it nice. Keep it nice. So, all right, next up we have William, my sweet, precious idiot William. He wasn't crazy this week. No, because he's not doing jack shit this this season. He's just, like, there. They only make him do stuff if he's breaking the law or has someone that he's, like, hooking up with. They don't do okay, anything but else I, we'll, with him. We'll get there. I have, we'll get there. Will is literally just, like, existing this season. He's not working towards anything. He's not, like, he's just, like, treating patients and that's it. He's just kind of like, Bleh. Do you get the buzz with him and Grace? That's what I was just going to ask. Me? Yeah. In general. I don't, I don't, like, I. I do I not. I feel like they're hinting at it, though, yeah, big they, time. 
They definitely are. I think they're over the Hannah and Will train. They're not doing that anymore. I don't get the buzz, and I worry if I articulate the reason, it's going to be drunk Gina talking and not, like, regular, normal, rational brain Gina. Just say it. She's too brainy for him. You think he doesn't want that, or you think that's why he's not into her? Well, okay. I think he likes her. But, like, if they're total opposites really balance, right? Like, as we were talking about earlier during the storm, when my crazy husband insisted on going outside, when I was like, I'm going to just sit in the middle of the house and stay safe. Like, opposites balance each other. So, like, they could be a good ship if they wanted to go that route, because I think they would kind of challenge each other in that way. But she just does not seem his type. Like, I think they were, like, trying to show that they're flirty when she was like, don't walk away. Or, like, that scene. They're all basically just, like, like, I feel like there's, like, moments in this episode where she's, like, wants to wink at him and she just doesn't because it's not that, like, we're not there yet. But, like, she basically is, like, winking at him, like, all episode. But, like, what what's it going to be? Like, they're going to be back at Will's house and she, he's going to be, like, talk data to me. Like, what the <laughs> hell is that going to consist of? Like, ooh, I love when you talk Excel. Like, what? I mean, basically. They always need to have Will Halstead in a relationship. Always. It, I told you, it's the circle of Severide. We're just doing it with Will now. Every female colleague he works with, he has to fuck. Will? Well, I feel like Med needs a ship in general. That's like, Med saying. has no Med- ship. I mean, not that any of the shows really have ships anymore, but like. Med just needs to just solidify, make one to two good ships and just roll with it. Like, they need two solid ships for the next forever because right now like i feel like that would just boost the show so much more because right now i'm tuning in for like what like nothing but hannah and archer were the first time i ever like i got a buzz in such a long time and i was like ooh, okay made me want to tune in so they need something buzzy and maybe that's just coming from me because i'm literally a little ship girly like i won't need a ship in my life were you about to call yourself a ship whore <laughs> Yeah, I'll support it. I love you. It's a filter. <laughs> we don't filter on this podcast. You know that. Uh, anyways, Med just needs two ships, and I feel like that'll fix most of their problems. I agree. And I feel like one of their ships should be Hannah and Archer. And they don't even have to be like in the actual relationship yet. They just need to lean into a like yeah courting you know like oh Oh, we're actually into each other and we're circling but we're just circling like they need to lean into that yeah they did they do yeah they do and so does fire i'm gonna say it fire's trying though they're trying they're not succeeding but they're trying yeah we'll get there we'll get there okay so so will has a patient who is just like med's number one fan like, this guy has clearly never seen an episode of the show in his life. Because he's yeah. like, I love Meg. You're so thorough and competent and wonderful. I'm like, babe, same doctor you're talking to. Ignore the it's DNR. Like, when was the last like time you ago. went to med? What? It's like, when was the last time you went to med? But actually, though, had to have been before the show started. Because, like, dude. Yeah, like 2014? Something like that, right? There was also the episode when a body went missing at Med, a bomb went off at Med. Like, honey, when was the last time you were there? Because they did surgery on a panda. I mean, <laughs> it's been, a, yeah, things have happened. Choices have been made. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, we we say this, like, ripping on Med, but we love Med. Never change Med. 
Never change. Never change. Just keep being your wacky self. We love I mean, you. get some ships, but like otherwise never yeah. change. Get some ships. I probably wouldn't want to be treated there. It probably wouldn't be my first choice, but like, we love you. Just don't change. Never change. Okay. So his patient, he's a diabetic. He's got fever and chills, but like, again, he's like the hospital's number one fan. So he's like, that's why I'm here. Like, you're so thorough. You're so great. Blah, blah, blah. Which like, yeah, that would probably be me in front of Will Halstead. I'd be like, you're so cute. I mean, what? Like, I'd make a fool out of myself. Sober, not even drunk. Um, yeah, but we also find out that the the scabs, air quotes, because remember the custodial strike is happening. So they brought in the temporary janitors. They are really, really bad at their jobs. Like really bad. My favorite bad. is when Maggie's like, oh, to the one guy, she's like, hey, did you like turn that over? And he's like, what? Like, you don't know what the phrase turn over the room means? Like, like I didn't know what that meant until Maggie said it, but also like, he's just standing there on his phone. Yeah. Like, it's one thing if it's, if it's, like, a corporate office setting, not to, like, sanitize shit, but dude, in a hospital? Yeah. That's bad. Really, really bad. So, they really suck at their job. So, Maggie's like, hey, Doris, like, can you turn over the treatment rooms? And she's just, like, pissed. Doris is just like, damn it, like, really? Really? Like, I'm a nurse. I, I went to nursing school for this. And Maggie's just like, yep, thanks, bye. So Will mentions it to Goodwin. And Goodwin, again, Goodwin is just so fed up this whole episode. And she just doesn't, she doesn't actually say it. She just shows it. Oh, man. Poor Goodwin. Will's just like, what the fuck are we doing? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. And he's like, this is getting ridiculous. And he, she's like, your concerns are noted. Which is like Goodwin for like, shut up, Dr. Halstead. Yeah. She was so yeah. over it. I felt so bad for her. But the patient then develops a rash. And so Will's just like, dude, what the fuck? And so, of course, Grace is like, oh, yeah, I made a database for that. Which, like, does this woman ever sleep? No. She's trying to with Will. Ayo! I'll high five that. That was good. My thing is, is she's like, oh, I can run those, you know, run that data, like, two seconds. And then literally she, like, hits one button and she's like it's done and i'm like that there's no way your system like even though i'm sure it's a great system there's no way it runs it that fast it's like like 25 percent or something yeah how does this woman have time to both practice medicine and code look i stand a brilliant woman okay but is she really thousand percent but is she practicing, I guess, like, it, like, is she practicing medicine in the same way that, like, Will is seeing? Like, she's not sitting there seeing patients all the time, is she? Or is she more of, like, she's a doctor, but she's coding, she's supervising OR 2.0, she's doing all those things. Yeah, I thought she was just part of OR 2.0. She seems then, patients, like, out. she, I mean, she, she met the nephew last week, and that's why she decided to go rogue. But I don't think she's, like in the er like seeing patients like will is in the same way she may help out but i don't think she's like seeing them you know in the same way she definitely doesn't see patients the same way will does meaning like she doesn't see them as human beings she sees them as data well yeah yeah which is another reason why she and will could work damn it opposites attract man i don't know they gotta be a little bit buzzier they gotta give them something like one of them has to be like on the verge of dying like do you want to hit will with another car (laughs) except when you posit the dummy doll it's so edited so bad wait what do you what now when you pause it like Uh when he gets hit by the car you just see the dummy dolls like there oh i gotta go back and watch that now what season was that even three 
I don't question know. mark question mark past seasons of bad um yeah so yeah grace just runs it through a database and of course of course if anybody in this hospital were to catch a case of bubonic plague of course it's will right will would find the bubonic plague case yep literally as soon as they say that i was like jesus christ i was like not this i was like really really i was like this is pretty on brand for my william not gonna lie but also, mm-hmm. wait, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't, I mean, bubonic plague, like now, it's like a nothing illness, right? It's just because it was just such a big deal back when it happened because there were no vaccines or no science for it, right? Say that again. You said it's, is it not a big deal right now? Like, it's like a, it's like a pretty low level illness, if I remember correctly. I it's think It's the most so. common form of plague and it's. You guys are so like quick on the Googling tonight. I'm impressed. One to seven days after exposure, you develop yeah. flu-like symptoms. I think it's kind of just like the flu. See, who needs grace when you have Brian and Lauren? It just sounds so scary. Bubonic plague. Black death. Da-da-da. But. <laughs> yeah. Extremely anyway. rare. Ra- oh my gosh. Extremely rare. Fewer than a thousand U.S. cases per year. Yeah, this says 650 cases a year. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. 10 uh, But then we morality. find out very, very quick. What were you going to say, Brenna? I was going to say 10% morality with treatment, 30 to 90% if untreated. <laughs> Mortality? Shit. But Wikipedia says. And everything so on the internet is true. So I mean, Wikipedia is always right. Yeah. Wiki, 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 wiki word. <laughs> yeah. Everything on the internet is true. So, okay. Well, just as fast as we think it's the plague. It's not the plague. And we know it's not the plague because Doris has the rash too. As soon as, like, before we knew it was a rash and not the plague, as soon as they, like, show her neck or whatever and that she has it, I was like, not Doris. I was like, Doris can't have the plague. Like, literally, I was like, I don't care about anything else. Doris cannot die of the plague. Protect Doris at all costs. But actually, though. P.S. When are we going to have Marie and Lorena on the pod? I know. It needs to happen. The tea with D&T and the Mita Somali's crossover of our dreams. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I also loved her face when, like, Will had said something about the plague and, like, Doris was just, like, the plague. Like, just the way she said it was just, like, very Doris and, like, fucking really? She was giving out. If this show were on network, like, or not network, if this show were on, like, cable, you know Doris would be dropping F-bombs, like, every five seconds. Oh, yeah. And it would be the best. Doris unhinged on cable would be, like, I'd pay for that. I'd pay, I'd pay good money for that. Yeah. I would too, actually. Doris after dark. Doris after dark. <laughs> Lorena, if you're out there, come on the pod, please. We uh, we don't bite. We don't yeah. bite. No, we don't bite at all, Lauren. <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, Doris has the rash too, and we find out it's not the plague, it's bed bugs. Ugh. What's worse, the plague or bed bugs? <laughs> that, that's actually a legit question. I think I'm honestly going to go bed bugs. Bed bugs are worse. Yeah, you know what? I actually might agree with that. That's like, oh, that gives me the heebie-jeebies just like talking about it. Knock on wood that I'll never have bed bugs. Knock on wood. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Yeah, so it's bed bugs. And Will sends Goodwin like the most horribly photoshopped photo ever. Um, Also, like, I would imagine (laughs) bed bug eggs are like not even visible to the naked eye. You can't even see bed bugs with your eye, can you? 
No, you can because they always tell you to check your sheets when you go to yeah. a hotel. To like oh op- like you have to like go like this. This is not what I want to hear before we travel for the weekend. <laughs> Ooh. Um uh, yeah. So it's bit bugs. Um and Will's patient is officially like completely over mad. Like that just that did it that did it for him. He was just like, fuck this place. Uh, mm-hmm. can he sue med Ooh, good question i don't know maybe 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 can you sue he could sue it like, probably there's probably a negligence case in there i'm just gonna use like hotel um they had a duty to keep him free of infraction they breached it by having the by the janitor not turning over the room there was causation because not sanitizing the room led to that yes apparently the short answer is yes i haven't gone into like the whole thing um shout out to me for remembering the elements of negligence (laughs) hell yeah apparently you can sue for bed bugs a hotel at least so i'd assume you could sue the hospital i'm just gonna brush my shoulder off i just said i wouldn't remember anything from international law and i just recited torts like a decade later proud of you can you sue just spelled Sue Rums. There's apparently a whole website called Bed BedBugAttorney.co. Dude, Imagine. oh my god! There's an attorney who's made his living off of bedbug cases. That's bananas. Bedbug Legal Group. Wow. What? <laughs> I missed my calling, man. The leaders in bedbug litigation oh. available twenty four seven. Yeah. Wow. Texas law allows an affected person to sue commercial property or facility and receive compensation and damages for medical bills, loss, wages, therapy costs, pain and suffering, and any expenses related to bed bug injuries. The more you know. Insert like the NBC graphic here. Like, do, 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 do. Damn. Learn so, yeah, something so- new every day. I know. Hmm. Interesting. But also, hey, the, the bright the bright side is the patient is completely over med, but also the strike is over. So yay! <laughs> it all worked out. It all worked out. All he got out of it were a couple of bed bug bites. Oh, I also love that we didn't talk about this yet, how that guy from last week that Goodwin like kind of was flirty flirty with is like <laughs> now all like full officially like on the board. And like that's the only person she's talking to this whole episode. Yep. Lauren, does he have the Riz? Did I just use Riz properly? Kinda. Sorta? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's I mean, he has to, like, to have the Riz, he has to be, like, is to say something really smooth, like, flirty, like, kind of, like. I thought it was pretty smooth of him last week when he was, like, oh, no, I'm asking you out for drinks. That happened? You don't remember? <laughs> no more margaritas before recording for you because it wipes your memory. <laughs> what yeah last week but did they go out they didn't go out no but he asked her out for drinks and she was like is this your subtle way of like asking me if your board position is going to be confirmed and he was like no this is my not subtle way of asking you out for drinks okay then yeah you can give it riz i used riz correctly (laughs) (sighs) i like him i don't hate him yet no. no, I don't hate him. I just thought it was interesting that, like, last week, she, they're, like, talking about, like, oh, well, I'm not contesting, you know, she's like, I'm not contesting your application or whatever she, term she used. And, like, all of a sudden now he's, like, full-fledged on the board and, like, leading the negotiations with the union. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
but the strike is over. Um, I got a minor LOL when Goodwin was like, what about subjecting ourselves to liability from patient lawsuits? I'm like, girl, that never stopped you in the first eight seasons. Why would it stop you now? <laughs> nope. I cannot. I don't know. Um, speaking of new people in the hospital who we kind of like, let's move into the Crockett storyline, shall we? Yes. That was a good segue. Yeah. I'm going to pat myself you. on the back for that one. Okay. Crockett, take it away, Brenna. All right, so Crockett is up on the helipad, which every time we go to the helipad, I forget that Med has a helipad. Because I'm like, where is that relation in relation to the balcony? Like the rooftop Ooh, balcony. That's a great question. I It's got to be on the other side of the hospital, right? Like the the, the green screen balcony has got to be on one side and then the helipad's got to be like either around the corner or like one floor up. Wouldn't it be like, an, like if you're out on the balcony as the helicopter is like landing on the helipad, you don't want to be that person. Probably not, because then you're trying to have an epiphany, and there's like helicopter blades, like and you're like hairs all like, like yeah. I'm having a really important moment of self discovery. Do you mind? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's up there, and his patient's this 11 year old girl, Abby Hawkins. Which like, is she related to Evan? Probably not, but still. If she is, that family has had some really bad luck in the past couple of months. Yeah. Probably not, because she got in. She lives out in the middle of kind of nowhere on her family's farm, but still. Hawkins Farm era. <laughs> Probably not, because she didn't get crushed by a movie theater. Yeah. We're fine. We're totally over it. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Um. So she got badly injured on her family's farm, and the pilot also so happens to be her doctor, this Dr. Johnson, because he was a flight paramedic in the army. And I literally, he got introduced, and I was like, okay, tell me more. He was so sexy. He's so hot. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, he can stay. I know. A thousand percent. Do you think that he will? I hope so. I don't know. And, and they were like, oh, flight paramedic. And I was like, tell me more. Like, that is like ringing. I'm like, tell me more. A new spinoff, Chicago flight paramedic. <laughs> he was way too sexy to like show up for one episode and leave. I know. Mm-hmm. He can come back. Yeah. 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 The minute he said flight paramedic, I was like. I was like, tell me more. Go on. So this is right up my alley. Yep. Um, and so Abby's leg is mangled. And Dr. Johnson is like explaining how the injury occurs. And like Maggie understands because it basically she was out in working with her dad. And in Maggie's eyes, she was like accidents happen, whatever. But Crockett goes like full Natalie and is like basically blaming her family. Um, and she's like, he was like, this never should have happened. She never should have been out there. Like that's Crockett's stand on this whole thing um and we also learned that maggie's uncle has a farm which like little backstory tidbit there i do love though how like the dr johnson like mentioned the whole thing about the farm and she like knew exactly what it was and like the the non-verbal communication between her and crockett has been so on point lately because literally crockett just shoots her a glance and she's like my uncle has a farm like that's how i know calm down like chill yeah so Oh, you know, Crockett's doing the surgery and basically he's going to try to save the leg. But once he gets in there, everything is pointing like he's going to have to amputate it. And yeah, that's real. I was as soon as they said that, I was like, dang, like, I hope it doesn't lead to that. I mean, I pointed to it, but also like. 
they really are letting any doctor have or not any doctor but anybody have access to this intercom now aren't they yeah like i get annoyed for the doctors when people are trying to talk to them during surgery well i was really waiting for them to at one point be like no you can have privileges like you know kind of like they feel like they do on grays all the time they're like giving all these doctor privileges and i was waiting for them to do that but that like they didn't and i was like okay and then he got like you said he came to the intercom part and i was like so he can just chill out and watch okay whatever he's the gp out in the boonies like why are you letting him chime in on a surgery Mm. yeah med Med. (laughs) when in doubt that's the explanation med yeah so again everything's pointing to amputation and so they're kind of bummed crockett's really kind of pissed because he's like this never should have happened so what does he do he goes full ex-girlfriend of his natalie manning and he calls dcfs what crawled up his ass this episode like what the hell yeah. I feel like he just wants to save like every little girl because he couldn't save his own daughter, you know? Yeah, I think that definitely had I mean they didn't basically say I mean like I think that had a lot to do with this. For sure. It seemed so out of left field though. But I think the whole thing is like these last two weeks at least for Crockett has been like Crockett really can't rely on OR 2.0. Like he has to go back to his roots and like go back to the whole relying on his, his own knowledge and his own, you know, skills before he, like, I think that's the whole point of this whole, of, of the last two weeks and working with Maggie. Like, you think 2.0 is starting to mess with his head? Yes. Yeah. I think it started in last week's episode and it's continuing into this one. Hmm. I think it's making him doubt, him, not doubt himself, but also, like, make the safe calls that not necessarily like crockett wouldn't make he would be like no let's think of other options or let's do this test and now he's just like okay he's yeah he's become too reliant on it because even last week in last week's episode he was like you know they weren't gonna schedule that one case in 2.0 and he was like no i'm gonna do it on my own he's like i need to go back basically to my route you know he's like i need to relearn how to do you know medicine um and I think that's where they're at with him, which is interesting, but it's also like how many episodes in a row are we going to have this basically same storyline? And like, yeah. what's going to be the result of it? Like, so is R 2.0 just going to disappear? Is 2.0 going to just disappear? Is it going to be like Crockett versus Dayton at the end? Probably. Which like, uh. I mean, I think it keeps... It, it... As much as Dayton drives me bananas and like sometimes I hate him and sometimes I'm like, he's not so bad. They did a really good job in bringing him in because he has challenged Crockett in a lot of ways that we wouldn't have seen otherwise. Yeah, that's true. I just feel like, I feel like we know how this is going to go. They're going to get into a headbutt and then like somehow Dayton's going to not be in med any. Like I don't see Dayton lasting for like seasons and seasons and seasons. No, no. So, but also, okay. So, I mean, this case involves a little girl, right? So, how how is it that two is messing with his head when real like how does two factor into this when it's really more so past trauma talking? No, I mean he would. I mean, so because he gets to the point where he's become relying on it, and he's like, oh, we've got to go with an amputation because he's like relying on two to tell him that like no we can save the leg and 2.0 is not there yet and then by the end 2.0 is like 
oh and he was like oh yeah it's just the vessels and like they were spasming so like oh we don't actually have to do the amputation Mm -hmm. i think it was also just partly in his head why he got so affected and got to the point where he called dcfs because of his own situation with his own daughter i think they're two separate things like i get that he's projecting but also i feel like you had to have a really really good precise memory of med to pinpoint that like if you're just a casual watcher of med you probably saw this episode and were like the fuck is he so pissed off about completely forgetting that he had a little daughter who died because they never bring it up right like literally it was like it's since Natalie, like, since his relationship with Natalie, we literally, and so in, like, two, two and a half seasons, two seasons, whatever, like, we haven't talked about Crockett's daughter. Yeah. And it's, like, that was literally, when Crockett was introduced, that was, like, such a big part of the whole, his whole backstory. I never so thought I'd say this, like, but I kind of miss Crockett and Natalie. No. <laughs> Lauren, you are not a Crockett and Natalie shipper. No. I think this is the first ship we disagreed on. Well, I liked Manstead, and then I was just kind of over it. Like, yeah, they I, were. I picked Manstead over Natalie and Crockett, but I wasn't the biggest Natalie fan, so I just wasn't. I mean, fan. fair. Yeah. Fair. Fair. But Manstead is, like, what hooked me into Med in the beginning. Like, yeah. I was obsessed they were good in the beginning and then they were not and then they were not and then they got good again and then they got not good again yeah, yeah. season three manstead was like yeah. until the whole gun thing that got weird i forgot about that Jeez. was that even yeah. that same season wasn't two their like flirty season no three was when they got together wasn't it was, two like, the is when natalie like... is with um jeff or jeff hefner's character and then um will is with uh nina three mm. is when they're together four mid-season like... is when they get married but not married married and i can't remember if the gun is like the end of three or if that's four the beginning Was jay of at that wedding no yeah, because arrest he was will. trying to find his damn brother yeah he shows up to like basically take will in yeah, he basically, he rolls up to take Will into witness protection. <laughs> Bruh. That man. He wasn't even in a tuck, so, like, Jay was definitely not going to his own brother's wedding. Which is, like... We love it. We do. We love a hot mess. I love a hot mess, at least. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, no, okay? It's been years. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. They don't really give him a chance to grow. Now he's to, grown. To show that he's grown. Do you think that he keeps in touch with Natalie, like, to this day in season eight? Who, Will? Will. I'm sure, I don't think they're talking, like, all the time, but I'm sure, like, Instagram likes and, you know, things like that. There are those exes that'll text, like, for, like, the random holiday. They'll be like, happy St. Patrick's Day, just so they can, like, text. Birthdays. Like, yeah. I'm sure, you know. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Which I don't think, but I don't think they're like talking all the time. Which ex is more in contact with her though? Is it Crockett or Will? Who talks to her more often? Will. Will. You think? Yeah. Yeah. All right. A hundred percent. And I was a Crockett and Natalie fan, and I say Will. Yeah, I literally think Will will text her and be like, 
happy 4th of July. Like the randomest, ho- happy Independence Day. Like literally like, the randomest holidays ever. Happy Flag Day, Nat. I miss you. Yeah, but he'll just be like, Hope Owen, I don't know. Yeah. I think it says a lot that we got the goodbye scene between Will and Natalie and we didn't get any kind of closure between her and Crockett, which granted her and Crockett weren't together at that end, you know, when she left, but still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Come back for the series finale, not the dining. Series finale? are never ending. What are you talking about? They're never going to end. I don't know. We are going to be 70 years old and these shows are still going to be on. Well, I'll be 70. You'll be 60. Um, It would not surprise me, though, to answer your question in a kind of a weird way. Given the fact of how much Tori is in Chicago still, it would not surprise me if she ever, like, I don't think, I think she would come back at some point. For even if it's just like for one episode. Is she the Cubs guy? I don't think so. No. Yeah. Live your life, Tori. Slay. <laughs> Lauren looks like she has tea. I have no tea. I have no tea. <laughs> I don't have tea. I don't have tea. I don't have tea. I don't know. Anyway, pulling it all back somehow. Um. So, yeah. So, Crockett went full Natalie. That's how we got here. Crockett went full Natalie. <laughs> and... But- <laughs> And Maggie at one point, like the DCF lady, DCFS lady comes in and Maggie runs into her. Maggie's like, well, I give no fucks. And yeah. Crockett? Yeah. I need to talk to you. I'm about to operate, Maggie. Why did you call DCFS? Because it's my legal obligation as a mandated reporter. Okay? Come on. It was an accident. Yeah, well, there's no reason a child should have been anywhere near a machine like that. You don't know what it's like on a family farm. Kids work. It's part of the culture. Well, maybe you shouldn't be. Because this little girl's about to lose her leg as a result of her parents' negligence. Crockett, I know how these DCFS investigations play out. If Abby and her parents get separated, it could be impossible to get them back together. Please, call off Madeline Gaster. Where are we? Whenever you're ready, Dart. Crockett. Maggie, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave. I still just can't believe that she was like, yeah, no, there's no nothing here, nothing for you to see here. Like, okay, bye. But like the I'd appreciate it if you'd leave, bro. Yeah. I don't give a shit if you're in the middle of a surgery. You're not talking to me like that. Oh yeah. Sir. Sir. Is Maggie his boss or no? No. Like the no, same level, right? Or they're just different. They're not even like. A- no, Crockett, I'd say, is way above her. But he's not essentially her boss, though. No. No, but like you have that all the time, though, where you hear about doctors talking down to nurses. Yeah. But like, this is why I think Maggie. Maggie is so interesting. Anytime she works with another doctor in the hospital, Maggie always brings out a different side of that doctor. And so, like with Will, she mellows him out. She makes him she makes him better, actually. And with Crockett, she kind of challenges him. Yeah. I like I like it though. Like it's like anytime you pair a doctor with Maggie, she's a safe space for whatever it might be. You know, um, she's a safe space for Will to try and be a better version of herself of himself. She's a safe space for Crockett to maybe challenge what he believes. But Crockett wasn't even listening to her. Like she was telling she was like telling him all that stuff in the episode, and he was like, no. 
Like he didn't even listen to her until the end. He was like, oh, you were right. Well, because last week and this week, I, I feel like he learned it the hard way. Yeah. Where Maggie was like, hey, you need to pay attention. And he was like, Psst. and then he just learned it the hard way instead. Yeah, I really, I really have enjoyed the Crockett and Maggie pairing. It's been a really, I really have enjoyed that pairing the last yeah. two weeks. Um, yeah. So like we kind of mentioned earlier, basically OR 2.0 led Crockett kind of down the wrong path. And it turns out the vessels in um, Abby's legs were just spasming. So turns out she doesn't need any amputation, which thank God he figured that out before he actually amputated her leg. Um. So, yeah, so she's going to be fine. Um, and her parents arrive and he learns and we learned the truth that it was an accident. It wasn't child abuse or anything like that. Like the Abby did something she wasn't supposed to. Like it was a true accident. And like the look that he gives Maggie when he realizes like how fucked up he could have. He almost made this situation. It's just like. And it's yeah. like immediate. The minute she's like, no, it was an accident. He's just like off. Fuck. like his face just reads it of just like shit i messed like up. this could have been so bad yeah yeah and then he even says it to maggie he's like i had the blinders on okay great but why did you have the blinders on i think he i think he's just i think it's a i like we said i think that in relation to calling dcfs i think some of it has to do with his daughter i think in terms of like missing the diagnosis i think it has to do with his reliance on 2.0 hmm. yeah yeah so good point also okay dcfs lady madeline when did she become such a karen did you probably notice after this episode like she was like well she's she probably because she it. keeps getting called out for reasons and then people because even last week Hannah, you know, Hannah called her out to, or, you know, she got called to med and Hannah was like, no, 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 nothing to see here. It's fine. Like, she keeps calling to med and she, and she has to turn around. It's like, I'd be kind of pissed too. Not a Karen, but like pissed. Like, you need annoyed. to get it together. And I was like, oh. Listen, I loved that moment when she was like, I don't like having my time wasted. I love an assertive corporate queen. But also like, honey, you work at med. Like, <laughs> do you not know the doctors you work with? Because they're kind of like, well, she doesn't work at med. So do, wait, but I, I thought she was her in, office was there. Yeah, isn't her office? Her I office is there. Like, I thought her office. She had to like travel to her because if she's DCFS, wouldn't she work for the city? They, there was a line where they were like, "You don't need to leave your office." Oh, I just or assumed like, that meant her office, office was like ten minutes away or whatever. I always I imagine her just being it. in like the higher up floors of med and just coming downstairs when she needs to. Yeah, me too. But I guess not. I don't think so. I don't think you would have like a DCFS employee work at like I don't I don't know. I kind of want to try that line in a corporate setting. I don't like having my time wasted. Like I want to try that. <sighs> I would love to hear you. I especially because I've heard you on some of your business calls. Like I would love to hear you. Just you like, both have heard my work voice. Yeah. Just yeah. Like. <laughs> Like with you, you with your little headset. Like I would just love to hear you, like see that. <laughs> no. It's got to be the right situation, but like that's a really good corporate line of like, fucking yeah. respect my time. Yeah, yeah. Lauren, what are you doing, child? I'm so antsy right now. Hold up. This is yeah. This is me every week when I record. I can't sit still. We're good. Lauren's fidgeting like big time. She's just like moving all my shit around. I'm good. Yeah, these are my nieces, by the way, which I know you know that, but like still, They're that's so my older cute. niece. Yeah. Um, and then look. Yeah, that's Bryna. Hey. 
Um, the fact that we don't have a photo of the three of us at Lottie's is criminal. I know. Makes me a little sad. We'll plan a trip. Yeah, we need to. The last week of March. I don't know about that anymore, but we'll... Yeah. Not y'all flaking on me. Not flaking. Are you playing with the fidget toy you got me for my wedding? I did. You guys, Lauren is such a good friend. Like, leading up to my wedding, I was so freaking anxious. And she, like, bought Sharpies for the guest book. And then she also bought me a fidget toy. Because, like, she knew I was so anxious. I did. You're the best. I not only bought it, I won it for you. You won it for me? I didn't know that part. The arcade. What is it? The pin hook? Arcade? Pin stack? Yeah. I won it for you. Like, the one over in Plano? Yeah. Not that you know your way around the Dallas area. I went to arcade the day of your wedding. I didn't know that. For like three hours. <laughs> Learn something new every day. There's a reason she's our little sister, you guys. Mm-hmm. Slay. Slay. <laughs> Any other notes on med? No, not my favorite, but. This was a pretty dry episode. There really was just not a lot to go off of. Sean and Sean and Archer stole the, stole the episode from me. Yeah, it's too bad Sean's going to die. Yep. I'll be shocked if he doesn't. And when he doesn't, we can all buy clown masks and be twins together. Triplets. Because there's three of us. I can math. Yeah. We need our I'm just like trying to think of their storylines, like upcoming storylines. Like, what are they going to do? I mean, like, like, slowly but surely we're getting, I mean, we don't have that many more episodes left. So, like, I feel like we're going to slowly start setting up for whatever's coming in the finale, right? But Med doesn't do crazy finales. I thought, aren't they usually just like two episodes at most? maybe i don't know i i don't they don't they'll usually do a cliffhanger that they resolve like immediately right yeah but i don't know i don't know either hmm. i hope hannah and archer <laughs> <laughs> uh... when that moment happens lauren and i are gonna be like so unhinged it's Everyone's gonna, gonna be, be unreal like, oh they're so buzzy i love them blah, 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 blah. And i'm gonna be like i've been telling y'all and i'm just gonna be sitting in the corner like i don't get it <laughs> like or then you're gonna get it and it's all gonna just like come together for you and be like i see it and i get it the minute that it clicks for me i will fully admit i will come on this podcast and be like i gina was completely wrong i get it now i will fully admit it but that hasn't happened yet it's the age gap grumpy sunshine only like it's soft around her trope like it's just so good it's really good it's really good i don't it's all our favorite tropes literally all together i think it would be more juicy if hannah formed a relationship with sean no that no. would be way more juicy no, no. juicy it's juicy because then she's conflicted about like do i date a recovering addict like this is no, really it's only, that's I, only that's only juicy if she starts out dating sean and then ends up with archer that's, that's the only way it's juicy no. <laughs> birthday girl tease <laughs> yeah that's the that's dad's no. no, that's birthday girl. That's a like, no. That's like half the books Lauren and I read, but it's fine. Oh, now the girl okay. dates. See, the, that's that's not even fair. You're talking in book references that I don't even know. The girl dates her ex boyfriend's father. <laughs> that's so good. That's icky. Shout out birthday girl by Penelope Douglas. <laughs> yeah. Ew, she hooks up with her ex boyfriend. But it's not weird. I promise. It's not no, weird. It's not weird. No, it's not weird. <laughs> boyfriend's like an asshole and then like it's it makes sense it makes sense and then the ending though was 
I'm like so disturbed right now. Like kids at the same time. What? But it's not weird. I promise. It sounds crazy. It's not. <laughs> I promise. Meet us at Molly's After Dark <laughs> book club. It's so edition. good though. Book club. What is happening? But it's not weird. Uh, it's not. You just have to read it. I'm pretty sure on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, when she hooked up with Greg's dad, it was pretty fucking weird. But that's a weird... I'm not even going to get into that. We're not going to talk about why that was weird and Birth Your Girl is not weird. We're not getting into it. <laughs> I'm, like, horrified right now. Okay. Anyway. Let's move into fire. Um, I need to Google details about this book. So, Brenda, get us started. Okay. So, we're going to start off with the Stella Carver Seeger Mouch storyline, whatever. There's, like, a lot happening. Fire? There's so much happening in Fire. <laughs> fire has, like, seven storylines. It's wild. a lot. Yeah. Are you- so... I can't. I'm totally googling. <laughs> It's so good, Gina. You're you don't know what you're talking about. But anyway. What the fuck? Hold on. Oh, it's so good. Go ahead, go ahead. Anyway, so the episode starts and you've got like a solemn Stella like leaving the apartment for the firehouse, like by herself. And we still don't know at this point, like what is up with Severide. Like what is actually not even up what's up with Severide, what's up with Van Meter? And then we find out quickly because Van Meter shows up in Bowden's office. Just wanted to explain in person. What? Why you took my squad lieutenant out of commission on a day's notice? Well, to be fair, Severide could have said no. But this is the best arson investigation training program in the world, Wallace. Hands down. A last-minute opening like this is the opportunity of a lifetime for Severide. After seeing him hunt down that EV charger evidence last month, well, I couldn't think of a better man to recommend for the spot. I hope you can understand. Oh, I understand what's in it for you. It doesn't mean he's planning a transfer to OFI. And I know it'll be a burden on this house for a while. But the expertise Severide will bring back here to 51 will benefit the whole department. You know, that's the only reason why I'm going along with this. This just shows how programmed Fire fans are to assume the absolute fucking worst. No matter what. Because literally we were like, Van Meter's dead. Van Meter's been horribly injured. Oh God. And he just strolled up to the firehouse completely fine. Yeah. So the whole conversation. So basically... Severide is decided he's going to this like arson investigation program last minute in Alabama. Like Van Meter's over here talking about how like it's the best arson investigation program in the world. And I'm like, then later on you find out it's in Alabama. And I'm like, that seems kind of random, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I feel okay about this though. Like a lot of people did not, we got emails that were kind of a mixed bag, right? About like, People were like, you know, hey, Severide always said he would never take a job with OFI. Like, this is bullshit. What are they doing? I actually don't mind this, though. What did you think of it? I didn't mind it. I actually saw a lot of people say they didn't seem to mind it. I think I think the thing is, if you keep it and you don't mess with it, if you just say that Severide is off training in arson investigation and you don't have the, like, oh, he's ghosting Stellar. Oh, like, you don't have all those other things tied into it. I think if you just leave it as this. I think it's totally fine. Uh, yeah, it, it's totally fine. And, you know, and a lot of people were like, Severide said he would never take a job with OFI. Okay, but also, people change over time. People are allowed to also, change their minds. he hasn't taken a job with OFI. 
Right. He's, he's training. I mean, there's nothing wrong. You can't do like, I mean, there's certification classes and other things. You're not technically taking a job with OFI. No. And it never and think, hurts to explain, expand your skill set. Your skill set. And I think I can't they English. had to leave something. Like, I think they had to leave the door open where if like, God forbid, Taylor doesn't come back that like they could explain it as like, oh yeah, he did go take a job with OFI. Like, I don't think that, but I think they, they had to kind of leave the door open. Yeah. I don't know. But I, yeah, no, I, right now, if they leave it the way it is, I don't have a problem with it. It's if they ever get into the point of like, oh, well, Stella's like, well, I haven't heard from him or, you know, like if we, if we go into that route that I'm like, what are we doing? Hold the phone. Hold the phone. The protagonist in Birthday Girl is 19 years old and she hooks up with her boyfriend's dad. It's not weird. You need to read it. How is it not weird? She's 19. <laughs> Gina clearly never reads romance novels. Let's no, put it that way. Gina doesn't read at all. Penelope Douglas is known for being a little wild and out there with her books, but this is the more tame of her books is Birthday Girl. <laughs> like way tame. I would say like on the mild end. Yeah. Yeah. The romance community is wild, Gina. I'm low-key horrified right now. It's good. What? <laughs> I know. Lauren and I yeah. love this book. Carry anyway. on. I'm just like, okay, go on. <laughs> anyway, but Bowden's literally like really annoyed at Van Meter. Like the whole time he's basically just like, you know, the only reason I'm going along with this is because like, you know, Severide's expertise. Like he's like really pissed that, you know, Van Meter did this to him, but he's like, whatever. Which, like, why are we pissed? He's, it's career advancement. Why are we not happy Because all of a sudden, like, it's like one day Bowden expects Severide to show up for a shift. And then, like, two minutes later, he's like, oh, yeah, I've, I've lost Severide now for, like, who knows how long. Because, like, that's the thing. They don't say how long this investigation, you know, like, arson investigation program is. They make it seem like it's, like, months. Which, they, obviously, they, again, they have to leave that door open because they don't know what's happening with Taylor. But still. But it's career advancement. A good boss is going to be happy for him. And he is. And he, that's why he says, like, you know, that's why the only reason I'm going along with it is, is you know, yeah, Severide's gonna advance and like bring that expertise back to fifty one. But like, still, is Pat his boyfriend it. or the dad? The dad. Carry on. <laughs> anyway, so then Seeger shows up and she has questions about this stable fire because they all get called out to a stable which we'll talk about later too but anyway so Seeger runs into and we've got Seeger and the whole trucks group so you've got Stella, Carver, Mouch, and Gallo and she's got questions because the stable manager ends up dying and so now of course there's questions from the city departments and they want to get it out you know have an idea of what's happening before the news hits. And Mouch is pissed. He's like, so basically a man died and all they care about is damage control. And so Stella's like, well, I'm pretty sure I know where the fire started. And she's like, I'll show you after shift. So Mouch is on this whole, I honestly thought for one second, like the Mouch's whole depressing storyline in this episode, I was like, they're not setting him up to leave, right? Like I kind of took it for a second because he's like, not being appreciated and like how the job gets him down. Like I feel like the parallels between the stable manager and Mouch, I was like, no, they're not, they're not doing this. Like it was like Mouch is not leaving, damn it. Oh, I didn't get that vibe at all. Did you get that vibe? No. 
but also, I didn't like, really think he was actually like, it really hit the- Mouch hard and then at the end he was like this case like really hit hard I don't know why it hit me hard I don't know yeah because he's like you know he was not trying to be a hero he was just doing his damn job for the same job he's been doing for 40 years and he's like you know, can you believe it? He's like, we gave his adult life to serving the city and for what? Like, I just, I don't know. Like, there were moments where I was like, is this foreshadowing? I hope not. No, I think Mouch was just having a rough couple days. Like, we all, we all get like that, right? Where we're just like, what's the point of anything? I think Mouch was just having a rough couple days. So Stella goes with Seeger to the stable and runs into the stable manager's nephew. And he's like, yeah, you know, I would come out here, help with my uncle every now and then. And yeah. So then Stella and Seeger go into the stable and they find some kind of heating element. And they're like, okay, well, this is worth looking into. So Seeger shows up at Molly's because she needs an extra set of eyes trying to identify the heating element. And Carver's sitting like right near her. And he's like, well, that doesn't sound right. And offers to help. And like, from the minute they started like having an actual conversation, I was like, I kind of, I'm into this. All they literally all they did was like exchange names, and I was like, oh fuck, I'm invested. Well, and I always forget his name is Sam, and so he was like, and she was like Wendy, and I was like Sam, and I and I was like, oh yeah, his name is Sam. I always forget his name is Sam. Uh, yeah, all, literally all they did was exchange names, and I was like, fuck, like I'm in. Lauren's over here shaking her head though. Why are you shaking your head? They were icky. Really? Even after watching the whole episode, you still thought it was icky? Yeah. It felt super forced. Like, really forced. I I got no buzz. It felt like a really good organic one-night stand to me. Yeah. I don't know. I really like them, and I think... But I will say, I think a lot of people are, like, super excited about them because... It has nothing to do, like, Seeger, you know, Seeger, it has nothing to do with Stellaride. I'm sorry, Lauren's trying to feed my dog a lollipop over here. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with, no, it has nothing to do like, with Severide. It's like, Seeger's not flirting with Severide, Carver's not flirting with Kid, like, it's like, oh, okay, these two can work together, like, just stay away from Stellaride and we're fine. If you can't have who you want, just have each other. Right. Yeah. I mean, I still like their chemistry regardless of that, but I think people are even more excited because it's like, oh, great, they're both moving on. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, nice. they have decent chemistry. Yeah, I I mean, but I honestly think Andy Allo could have chemistry with every, anyone. True story. True story. When she basically looked at him, was like, thanks for ruining my night out, Sam. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I love this. I Laura, love this. have you ever seen Upload? Have you watched Upload? Oh my God, Upload's so good. I think I, because I don't know if I would have said the same thing before I watched Upload, and then I watched Upload, and I was like, no, she could have chemistry with pretty much everyone. Upload's so good. You would actually really love it. What, like, there's potential for them, and going forward, watch, I'll probably be like, um, but if there even is, I'm sure there will be going forward. I don't know, there's just something a little, not icky, it just, there's just something a little, like, I was like, mm, it didn't hit for me. It's okay. It didn't hit. It happens. But it's there. Like, I can see it. And I'm happy for them. I'm literally happy for them. <laughs> so he is like, well, this looks like an immersion heater, not a heating element. And he's like, you basically you put it in the trowel to keep it from freeze, like in the water in the trowel to keep it from freezing. 
So he's like, so theoretically, the idea they have going is that someone could have taken it out of the water and like left it lying on some hay. So Seeger's like, well, now I've got to go spend all night Googling immersion heaters. And Carver's like, well, I'll go with you and help you. And it's like, okay, this is escalating quickly. Bang, bang, bangity bang, said a bang, bang, bangity bang. And then one of you has seen How I Met Your Mother. So that that reference is completely lost. I watched the pilot and then the series finale. Damn it. (laughs) Yeah, I've only seen like the first two or three episodes. Um. And then it really escalates because the next morning, Seeger and Carver wake up in bed together. Ooh. That they do. Also, Lauren just sent me the whole ass book of Birthday Girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they did wake up in bed together, which like, go on with your bad selves. Live your life. Like, I love that. I hope they had a great night together. Yeah. Well, I loved how he was like, well, he's like not kicking her out, but he's like, I gotta go. But he's like, you can stay. And he's like, yeah, I'm kind of in the doghouse with my lieutenant. And she's like, yeah, you don't want to mess with Stella Kid. And she's like, actually, neither do I. No, you don't. Yeah. So they end up, they are able to identify the immersion heater in the end. And so Seeger goes to pick one up so they can, like, test their theory. And it does work. Like, hey, on top of the heater, it sparks a fire. So Carver's like, but it just still doesn't make sense. Because, like, the stable manager would have known better. And then Stella and Seeger get the idea that, like, well, yeah, he would have known better, but guess who wouldn't have known better? The nephew, and he's the one that started the fire, and he's, like, so upset with himself. Um, You know, obviously he didn't mean to, it was just an accident, but... This hurt my heart a little bit, because it's not like they were trying to, like, expose him, like, hey, you committed a crime, but, like, the way they kind of showed it to him was, like, you're kind of responsible for your uncle dying. Sorry. Yeah, it's, like, heartbreaking a little bit. It hurt. Yeah, yeah. I felt really bad for that kid. Yeah, it's not like they're, like, trying to send him to jail or anything, but still, it's, like, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. Do we think Seeger is back as a result of Taylor's absence? I think she would. We were talking about this in one of our group chats last night, Gina, a little bit. Like, I think... Maybe she would have been back anyway, but I think this storyline and, like, maybe even the Carver stuff is, like, tweaked a little bit to fit Taylor's absence. Yeah. But my question is, is, like, is she coming back? Like, a fish, like... Or, like, is she, like, are we going to see her again? I don't think she's coming back for, like, ever, but, you know. Periodically. Yeah. If upload is done, I mean, there's no reason for her to not, like, pop in and out. They're, like, the new Hakami. Nobody can replicate Hakami. I, I don't know if I'd go that far, G- or Lauren. I don't know if I'd go that far. Like the same vibe. Like, he'll pop in here and there. She works there, you know? Meaning we're going to fall madly in love with them, and then one of them is going to get taken away from us in horrible fashion? Great. Great. I just don't, like, I just feel like if they introduce the idea of Seeger and Carver, like, I can't imagine her not popping back up. Unless that's all this was supposed to be. It was like a one night stand. But I just feel like they place so much emphasis on it. If it was just a one night stand. Harvard is a series regular. Right? Like yes. For yes. Like confirmed like stay in. Yes. Okay. Yes. I think. I wouldn't okay. mind it now. I really like that they took the time to solidify. Hey. Seeger and Stella get along now. They're fine. There is nothing to worry about. Because now. I can let my guard down with her. So when she comes in now, I'm not just like, what the fuck is she doing here? I'm just like, okay, cool. 
Yeah, it's like when it's amazing how like you change your opinions on a character when they're not doing the thing you don't want them to do. Like Seeker's not flirting with Severide anymore. Oh man, we all actually like her. It's amazing. Yep. Yep. Like if they just had never introduced that part, we all probably would have had just like good feelings towards her the whole time. There is this like not necessarily cliche, but there's this this expression that you'll see out there, and it basically is like when women support women, amazing things happen. It is yep. so unbelievably true, both in real life and in, you know, fictional life that like on seeing Stella and Seeker support each other on the show, it, it like, it does wonders, right? Because like the minute we saw them pull the stick it prank on whoever they pulled it on last, Mason, I think, right? Mm-hmm. The post-it uh, note? Was that on Mason? who they pulled the post-it prank on? That was Mason, wasn't it? I think it was. But, like, the minute we saw them work together, I feel like everybody just kind of, like, felt really... We were all, like, disarmed regarding Seeger. And we all were amazing. We were all like, okay. Yeah, it was Mason. Yeah. So. They've done a good job not having their friendship feel forced. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll agree with that. I like that. I guess my last question before we go into listener thoughts is, like, so obviously up until this point, we've all been like, well, Carver has feelings for Stella. Like, that's kind of obvious. Like, do you think they've, like, moved on from that? Or, like, is that going to come back at some point? I don't think he's moved on from it. I think he buried it by having the one that's night stand with I think it's going to come back at some point. Lauren, thoughts? <laughs> no. Lauren's got her lollipop. She's so happy right now. She's just like, I'm good. As I check our text messages from Lauren. Anyway. Uh, yeah. But so. Anyway. Um, we did have quite a few listener thoughts. So Alexa said, with Kelly gone for the time being, whose blue eyes come in second? You know, I don't think I don't think they're close anywhere close to Taylor Kenny's. But in the scene where he wakes up with Seeger, I actually thought Jake Lockett had some nice eyes. Are they blue? They're like a bluish color, yeah. Cap. I feel like, wasn't I just watching something the other day where I was like, oh man, that character has really nice blue eyes. Was it Chicago or was it another show is the question. I don't know. But I like. I don't think anyone's ever going to compete with Taylor Kinney's eyes. I just think, I did think Jake Lockett had nice eyes though. Casey's got great blue eyes, but he's gone too. Who has, oh, we're running out of blue eyes on the Chicago shows. Oh no, that's bad. Mm-hmm. That's like a crisis. Even Eigenberg has nice blue eyes. No, it. Um, Haley has blue eyes. Tracy has blue eyes. Yeah, I'm a sucker for a good pair of blue eyes. I'm a sneeze. Bless, Bless you. you. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I got to think on that and get back to you. Um, and she also said, "Who will take over squad for the time being?" I mean, we saw it a little bit in last night's episode, but Cruz. It looks like Cruz, but also, like, why isn't it Tony? That's a great question. Tony's been on squad longer. Actor Tony is actually on squad, like, in real life. Yeah. Huh? You know the guy who plays Tony is also named Tony in real life, right? (laughs) Yeah. And, like, he's actual CFD. You know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's actually on squad in the real CFD. He's like on real life squad in the real CFD in real life. And he acts? Yes. 
Well, he's not really an act. Like, he wouldn't have acted if it wasn't for fire. Yeah. Like, he's a firefighter who became an actor, not an actor who then got cast on the show. <laughs> Did- what? Is this all news to you? Yeah. 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 Icon, what? <laughs> Learn something new every new day. Every right? day. Yeah. I'm not a fake one Chicago fan. I promise. You're not, though. You're not. There's just no. certain details that, you know. While you were lusting after Cap, you uh, were about to pay attention over to the there. other half of Cap and Tony. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, yeah. So Alexa also said, it seems though as Carver's has dabbled into various things, construction, horses. What has he not dabbled in? I guess he's literally done everything because he was like, oh, yeah, horses. I've done that. I'm like, what haven't you done? Like, okay. Yeah. Um, and then she also said, with Carver potentially having feelings for Stella, will Seeger put those to the wayside for now? Also, I was not expecting them to sleep together that quickly. I think it's going to put it to the wayside and that it's going to bury it, but they're still going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that's coming back at some point. Kind of like Mills like... and Gabby. How like yeah. Gabby moved on to Casey, but Mills always kind of held the flame for her. Yeah, they don't like they don't like hint at that for like episodes and then just like never come back to it mm-hmm. so natasha said okay when the news first started hinting at carver and seeger i was like okay cool but if they don't have chemistry it's not gonna work oh was their chemistry the molly scene the sparks and she called him sam i don't think i've ever heard him called sam before seeger's vibes used to annoy me because she was throwing them at a guy who was clearly in a relationship but seeger throwing vibes at a single guy you go girl yes i agree with that Mm -hmm. Uh, and natasha also said i love stella's reactions which i also hope calm the people who have been scared about a stella carver thing happening i think she was amused witnessing it because stella kid usually picks up on vibes and you know kelly got a call with the gossip after molly's but she's just an amused observer with no stake in the game which is exactly where she should be yes i agree with that i like that yeah um jess b said does anyone else feel like the van meter thing was kind of anticlimactic I get that they had to do with cutting the scene, you know, cutting together the last scene of episode 14, but they made it seem like this really big deal and it just wasn't a little new. I didn't feel I'm, like it's a little, I mean, I think we were just maybe all hyping it up. You we were like, oh my God, Van Meter's dead or like he's sick. Or I, I think it was maybe the hype that like made it seem less anticlimactic. Um, but I do think that's probably true that like the cutting together the scene and the way they had to do it that way. Um probably leaned into the hype a little bit too i'm glad it was anticlimactic though i feel like we've been through so much shit on fire that we are always expecting the absolute worst yeah that's true i'm kind of glad it was anticlimactic um and jess was on the lauren side she said did not vibe with carver and seeger it was so forced and felt like such a lazy backtrack on the carver stella storyline interesting very interesting let me ask you guys this how do you feel the because this is the first episode we've ever had in show history without Kelly Severide? How do you feel they did handling not like not necessarily with the arson thing, but how do you feel like the show Handled felt it. and looked without him? I think it felt better than how PD was without Jay the first few episodes. I'd agree no? with that. Yeah. I, I think, think this a felt good job with balancing it. I think this felt more normal, like, definitely like what Lauren said. I hadn't really thought about comparing it to, like, PD without 
Jesse, but it, I definitely agree. I think it felt more normal. I think the fact that they are able to lean into the really serious stuff in this episode and also balance it with the comedy helps too. Um, and I just think, I think right now I'm like, okay. And I think especially because like, Right now, we don't know whether Taylor's coming back or not. So, like, the idea that, like, oh, yeah, he's probably coming. It may not be this season, but, like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, if he doesn't come back this season, well, he's coming back next year. So, like, I'm not worrying about it. I don't, I'm not feeling it in the same way as, like, when Jesse Spencer left or, like, Jesse Soffer left on Pete. Like, I'm not feeling that in the same way. I think they did, I think they did a good job. It didn't feel, it didn't feel like there was a gaping hole the way it has on PD. Yeah, and like I said, I think part of that is, like, when, jesse left on pd or even like when jesse spencer left on fire like we knew that that was like he they were leaving the show yeah and like we don't know if taylor's i mean we're hoping that taylor's coming back even if it's not in season 11 but like the door right now is like we don't know you know the door is open and so i think that's helping the kind of my feelings right now about it how do we still not have a renewal by the way i don't feel like it's coming till may I mean, yeah, I mean, no, they're I'm definitely wrong. renewed, but like, dude, why are you taking your sweet precious time? Who knows? I know. I know. It sounds like it's going to be another three season renewal, but also like, dude, my schedule's open. Whenever's convenient for you, NBC. It popped up on my time hop the other day that like, that was when, you know, a couple, three years ago, that was when we got our three season renewal. And I was like, oh man, time flies. Time really does fly. I know. I know. I have a Calendly link now, NBC, so all you got to do is, like, go into my email signature and schedule time with me. I'm ready for the renewal when you are. <laughs> so, like, yeah. But, no, I think so far they've done a good job with it. I mean, it's one yeah. episode, but. I think it was really good. I think they, I think it went a lot better than it, I thought it was going to go. Especially for, like, um, throw, like, they had no idea it was coming, you know, situation. Yeah. No, I, I definitely think on think the fly, good. they did a really good job of adjusting because that arson storyline that very well may have been meant for Severide. It probably part of it probably was, to be yeah. honest. They did a good job. They definitely did, yeah. did a good job. So we'll see what the next couple episodes have in store, but so far so good. So yeah. next up we've got Herman and Cindy. Oh, this was a tough one. I like cried through this whole storyline. Oh man. I cannot. It's really rough. I know. It's really, really rough. I just, like, don't see a point for this storyline. I mean, that's kind of life, isn't it? Like, yeah, cancer never really has a point when it strikes. It just strikes. Yeah. Well, and I think, not that there's a point, like you said, the point, there's not any point to it, but I think in their heads, they're like, oh, we're gonna give Eigenberg, like, the meaty stuff that we've been wanting to give him, and he's killing, I mean, Eigenberg has never been better, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. but it just sucks that we had to get a cancer storyline for it to happen. Yeah. 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 Then I'm like, where is it going to, like, where is it going to lead to? Like, whenever I get, whenever I, this is my thing. Like, I just can't, like, take a storyline and just watch it. Like, whenever we get a storyline like this, I'm like, how is it going to end? How are they going to wrap it up? How is this going to change the character? And so with this, in this situation, I'm like, how is the storyline going to end? Right. And in our mailbag episode, somebody had asked if we thought they were going to kill Cindy Herman. And I was like, you know what? I, I really don't think they are. After this week, though, I really don't know anymore. Yeah. I really don't know. It's but then insane. if they killed her, like, what? 
I still I still stand by my original theory of like if they kill Cindy, they're paving the way for Eigenberg to exit. Because I mean, <laughs> sorry, Pepper, just take my foot. Horrible comedic timing, but yes, Pepper is licking Lauren's foot. Um, yeah, I mean, if they kill Cindy, then all of a sudden Herman is a single father of five. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot. I mean, he can't expect Lee Henry to raise his siblings. That's not fair. Yeah. We so, already see how overwhelmed he is. Exactly. So I, I think I think if they kill Cindy, they're setting up for Eigenberg to exit. But do you think that like if that happens, that like Eigenberg came to them and was like, hey, I'm ready to I guess that would be an Eigenberg decision, right? Like, hey, I'm ready to leave, like get me out of here. I would I would hope it's an Eigenberg decision. He's yeah. like, I'd give you one season. Like, I, it's my last season. Because he wouldn't renew contract then. Yeah. Yeah. My God, what a quick turnaround, though, if they give Cindy lung cancer at the mid-season and then kill her by the season finale. Well, I mean, they kind of, I mean, not to say that, I mean, not to say it's the same situation, but they kind of did that with Anna, right? Back in season five, it was like, we get introduced to Anna in the mid-season, right? When Severide first meets her about the bone marrow. And then by not even the finale, but like two episodes beforehand, she's gone. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And if they don't kill her, the finale is going to be her getting to be in remission. Like, would they do that? Can you picture fire... I could only for them to do that and then give us like a crazy ass cliffhanger on a call or something for the end. I could see them giving us the remission as like a give and take. Yeah, like her. I could also see them not that they're thinking this far ahead because I know they don't think this far ahead. But if they put her in remission, they could always keep it not put her in remission at some like in you know for a future storyline. Yeah, same like they could they could do that to Maggie at any time. Yeah, theoretically. Yeah. 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 Again, not that they're thinking that far ahead, but still. They might be. Who knows? Who knows? Like that, that they don't usually work beyond, like, I mean, I doubt they're thinking about season 12. Especially because we don't have a season 12 yet. Side eye at NBC. My schedule's open, is all I'm saying. So, yeah. So things are kind of tense at the Herman house, and it's starting to weigh on the kids, and you can tell, because... Basically, like, Annabelle drops a bowl into the sink and Max yells at her. And Max is like, you're going to wake up mom. Like, what the hell are you doing? And so Annabelle's like, she's like, God, I'm sorry, dad. Like, I'm really sorry. And he's like, it's an accident. It's fine. And Annabelle leaves. And then Max is like, I'm sorry I yelled at her. And so Herman's like, nope. Hey, we're all stressed. Like, it's fine. It's cool. So Herman smooths it over. So later at the firehouse, I mean, this poor man is just like so dead set on trying to keep it together for the firehouse and like be like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm weathering the storm. So he's on the phone with Lee Henry. Lee Henry has to miss class again to help with his siblings because obviously Cindy can't, you know, can't do it. So Ritter's trying to check in and Herman's just like, yeah, everything's fine. Like, we're totally good. We're all good. And Ritter's just like, "Mm, it's not though. Like- yeah this is his lieutenant you know like i love how perceptive ritter is about everything and that like same. he's like if no one else is picking up on it like i'm glad that ritter is same me too yeah yeah thank goodness for ritter like yeah. but actually though but actually though yeah i mean i said it when he came in in like what season seven that like he like he breathes like fresh air into the show and i stand by that till today mm-hmm. he really did yeah 
So after shift, and again, up until this point in the episode, we have not seen Cindy. We have not seen her at all. So Herman is at home and he just kind of knocks on the bathroom door and he's like, Cindy, are you okay in there? Like, I'm going to come in. You know, I just want to make sure you're okay. We see Cindy. Cindy does not look good, you guys. I honestly, I had a hard time rewatching that scene to outline it. Yeah. Cindy does not look good. It was so rough to watch. So rough. So rough. And then at the end when she's like, you know, because she's talking about like, well, this is what the doctor's talking about. She's like, trust the process, right? And Herman's just like, let's add a yeah. And I'm just like, I was like, I can't do this. I was like, I cannot do this. The trust the process. Like, she's still trying to say so positive in the middle of this. Oh, that's got to be so hard. Mm-hmm. But then also like Herman wants to break down, but he can't because he feels like he has to stay strong for Cindy and the kids. And like, oh yeah it's brutal it's really really brutal yeah so yeah even that moment when she's like trust the process i was like oh my god like dying over here so herman gets a call from max and max is scared about his mom like max just wants to talk to his dad he's just scared Mm -hmm. uh and so Herman's trying to keep it together. He's trying to talk Max through it. And he goes into the turnout room once the call's done. Cause like the turnout room is, you know, where you can you can hook up with uh what's her face? Megan Fahey. Um, mm-hmm. you can have pep talks in there, you can hide out a kid in there. I'm trying to think of all the things that have happened in the turnout room in 10 seasons or 11 seasons, really. But Herman goes into the turnout room and just breaks down. Breaks down. Because, you know, nobody's there. It's It feels like a safe space for him. Ritter just happens to pop in. And instead of just being like, oh, shit, I just stumbled on something. Ritter sits with Herman and, like, holds him and lets him cry. I was, like, a full-on emotional wreck when that scene happened. Oh, my God. I'm just holding Herman. Yeah. Yeah. And if you listen really closely, like, there's a point. I mean, Herman is just, like, sobbing. But he chokes out Ritter's name. He's just, like, Darren. Like, you know, he doesn't even call him Ritter. He calls him Darren yeah Uh, it's just a big like he's just letting it out because he he feels like he can't yeah he has to be strong for everyone else and so he doesn't have a chance to crumble he doesn't get to feel his own feelings which is just like that makes it all worse Mm -hmm. so herman goes home and he finds annabelle just kind of crying on the stairs and he's like what's wrong and annabelle's like nothing and so herman's like that's it like that's it and he gathers all the kids and he's like okay like this sucks this absolutely sucks and it's gonna be like it's okay we can talk about it we can cry about it we can be angry about it it's okay to let those feelings out like just making that clear it's okay so kenny's like kenny's sweet little like 11 year old kenny is just like well i have a way i've been letting it out of course like the youngest herman is like the genius of the family oh my god yeah so kenny's like i'll just show you guys and he takes the whole family to the garage Little tiny Kenny, who was born in the season one finale, just to show you how far we've come, because, like, time flies. Mm -hmm. Time totally flies. So Kenny shows everybody this, like, blow-up clown he's had in the garage, and he calls it the cancer clown. And he just comes in and, like, beats it up when he's feeling sad. And so basically the whole family, like, takes turns just, like, beating it up. And so Herman feels a little better because, like, he's got the kids, like, expressing their feelings now, but he's still just kind of, like, you know what do i do yeah but like what where are we going with this are we killing cindy are we not killing cindy where are we i going? don't know i honestly don't know yeah i want to say they're not going to kill her 
I mean, I would, I said that, I said that in our mailbag episode, but now I just don't know. Yeah. Are they going to go the Izzy Stevens route with it? Where like, she's going to rebound and then just like, peace out. The Hermans are going to leave. I don't know anymore. Well, I don't think so. Cause all the kids go to school there. Like they all have roots. Yeah. I just feel like it's just going to be on the stories. That's just going to be like ripping our heart out. And then at the finale, it's going to be like, she's in remission. It's going to be the whole family hugging each other. And then that's going to be it. Did we even get to talk about that article that dropped last week? It wasn't, I don't think it was TV guide. It might've been TV line just talking about like, Hey fire, we need a break here. Like we need some happiness. I don't think we got to talk about that. No. But, like, I think it was TV line, but, like, it's true. It's just, it's been one hit after the other this season. It's rough. hmm Yeah, this is a very sad season. Really, really sad. Yeah. So we got some listener thoughts on this one. Alexa said, I really want to give Herman and Cindy a big hug. Plus, I was not expecting Cindy to lose her hair this quickly. I knew she was getting worse, but this seems very fast-paced. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. She also said it was nice to see that Kenny was the one to share with the siblings, the clown punching dummy at the end, so they can let their anger and sadness out on the cancer clown. Indeed. Indeed. I just like, my heart breaks a little bit because I, I I wonder if that is a tidbit from somebody's real life that they brought into the show. Like the cancer clown was somebody, Ooh. something that somebody went through in real life and brought it into the show. Like my heart breaks American a little Andrea. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah um natasha said when ritter found herman there breaking ritter reacted as a deeply caring human to another especially one that he cares about that was truly a beautiful scene that showed vulnerability pain love empathy and support yeah Yeah. one of my favorite i mean favorite's a weird word to use for a scene like that but like it's one of my favorite scenes for sure this season yeah i agree Mm mm-hmm Jess B said, I really would love to see the firehouse getting around the Hermans more. I know they helped out with the fundraising last episode, and they mentioned that Donna and Trudy have been dropping food around, but even in more casual ways. Cruz dropping Kenny to school with Javi, Violet and Sylvie helping the kids with their homework. We wouldn't even have to see it necessarily. They could just mention it in conversation. I don't know. Maybe they are, and we just haven't heard about it, but Herman's struggling, and it's breaking my heart. To piggyback on that, you know who actually brought up a really good point about like how they're portraying the spouses right now? My my mom actually brought up a really good point like earlier this week about the shows. Yeah. (laughs) My mom's the shit. Like my mom's a saint. So she watches the shows because I do. And now she's gotten like totally invested. And she mentioned something to me like while the shows were airing about how like she feels like they're not portraying the spouses of the firefighters fairly. Like they're not doing it justice. And so I was just like, she, she kind of like, she sent me a message about it last night and I was just kind of like, you know what? Like, I see what you're saying, but also I, I kind of disagree in this instance because I mean, the show is not about the spouses of the firefighters, right? The show is about Herman, Bowden, Mouch. It's not about Trudy or Donna or Cindy. And I think what they're trying to show is that like, Hey, when, you know, they're able to do this job because the matriarch of the family holds shit down. And so what happens when the matriarch goes down? Yeah. You know, how does Herman figure out how to do both? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah. 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 Um, Sarah said, in all the times I've watched Fire week after week, I've never been triggered until last night. The Cindy storyline, wow, just wow. They did a remarkable job at bringing this to life. For so many people, this is real life. 
Drawing from my own personal experience, I took care of my mom 24-7 with her cancer battle and the toll it took. The writers, all the crew absolutely captured this in the most realistic way. How Cindy appeared, as devastating as it was to see, Herman and the kids' emotions, not only the sadness, but also the anger. It's so absolutely, it's absolutely so real and raw to personify the strong front. Bottling all your feelings, Herman breaking down in the turnout room was exactly what he needed and allowed Ritter to comfort him. Also, Max finding the toy, or it was Kenny, but Matt, Kenny finding the toy punching bag was wonderful. The kids desperately needed a release. What is happening to their beloved mom is debilitating to them, um, them finding the re- a release for their emotions in a healthy way. All of it was spot on. Well done, Fire. As much as the storyline hurts to the core, this is real and raw and what so many loved ones go through when someone they love is a warrior and fighting this, fighting a battle of this, of this magnitude. I probably cried five times through each scene. Yeah. Yeah. Tough. I agree. It's tough. Devin said, what did Cindy do to deserve this? I'm sorry, but why are we traumatizing the sweetest family ever? I know that in reality, this is how cancer treatment can go, and it's tough on all close to the person diagnosed with it, but it tugged at every part of my heart when Herman was trying so hard to be the rock of the family. I also loved seeing all the kids come together. Yeah, we've said this before. I love all the Herman family stuff we're getting, but I wish it didn't come at this cost. Yeah, I will say this. It was nice to see, like, as much, like, I loved seeing all, I mean, again, loved is a weird word, but, like, all the kids stuff last night, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So, next up, we've got Bowden and Kylie. Look at Kylie being a little girl boss. I love this so much. <laughs> um, I love her. You know how we always say Violet for president? Can Kylie be her vice president? Yes. What is Kylie's last name? Do we know her last name? Uh, I don't know. We, there probably is a last name, but I just don't know it off the top of my head. Because, like, Mikami Kylie 24. Yeah, like for president and vice president. Yeah. Who in the world? Girls. Girls. Violet and Kylie. So episode starts and Bowdoin tells Kylie he's like, you know, basically they, the CFD has ordered every firehouse to cut admin spending by 20% and he needs her help. So basically anything that's non-firefighting supplies to like office, kitchen, bathroom, he's got, she's got to cut the budget 20%. Bowden's like, listen, you're going to get a lot of grumbling on it. And like, if anyone has a problem, tell them to come to me. And so the budget cuts have begun. Cruz is pissed off about the cheap shower, soap in the shower. And like Ritter, (laughs) the first thing that makes Ritter's heartbreak is the red vines. And he's like, so what happened to the red vines? And she's like, I can't, it's not an office expense. And he's like, but they come from Office Depot. (laughs) He's like, it's fine. It's fine. And I was just like, it's so good. Look, I'm team Twizzlers, but, like, don't fuck with Ritter's Red Vines. Yeah. That's just that. She went too far right off the bat. It was just so funny. He's like, it's like, but they're not office expense, but they come from Office Depot. (laughs) (laughs) So good. And then, like, so then the next thing to go is the toilet paper. And they find out that it's been replaced with what they call Chicago sandpaper. And they're like, that's it. So they like confront Kylie, but she does like she stands her ground and she like makes her point heard. She like does a good job at it. So then Chuck goes on like an early grocery run and like Carver and Gala go in and like first they're arguing about organic yogurt, which like hysterical. Um, and then Gallo <laughs> makes a comment about the toilet paper. Like basically, like Mouch sent them there to like go buy the good toilet paper. Um, <laughs> which of course they like get called out before they can actually buy it. 
Um, but then what where it really goes so far is like Mouch is slipping through the channels and they when they get back from this call and he realizes that Kylie has cut the cable. And he is pissed. He's that, like, that would probably be my 13th reason. That would be my reason, but yeah. Yeah. He's like, we are not monks. We did not survive up for a life of material deprivation. But Kylie, Kylie loses it too. She's like, you need to stop acting like children and just deal with it. <laughs> and Kylie doesn't have streaming services, huh? Yeah. I, are they like, I bet Mouch only gets his TV watching in at the firehouse. Probably. You think, you think Trudy like doesn't let him stream? They're definitely a Jeopardy couple. Yeah, they're, I think they're like a basic cable couple. I can't imagine them sitting there watching Hulu. You don't think Vlad has like a guilty pleasure binge watch? I think I they know. sit there and watch Jeopardy. I could totally see Platt getting down on some like House of Dragon. I think Platt is a reality TV show lover. Yeah. Like trashy? You think she's like a real Housewives fan? Yeah, like Big Brother, The Bachelor, Love is Blind. All those. So you think Mouch is like, baby, can we get like the streaming package? And she's like, no. No, I think she, I think she says that to Mouch, but then secretly like she like borrows somebody's uh, login and like she watches them. She probably has her own profile on Burgess and Ruzik's like Hulu account, Netflix account, like Paramount Plus. <laughs> she definitely she borrows the Burzik's Netflix, like all oh, their yeah. streaming, but like she doesn't let Mouch, she doesn't Mouch let Mouch doesn't know. watch it. Yeah. yeah, Mouch doesn't know. Yeah. I totally see that. And like she threatens Burzik into it. She's like, if you don't make me a profile on your Paramount Plus, I'm going to well, tell no, people. She's had it. She's had it for so long that like it was like back in season one when like Burgess was afraid of her that like she got the password and like it's just been like that for 10 years. I love this. I love this conversation. Yeah. So you think Platt just like secretly watches all the streaming shows and like she just kind of keeps up the look with Mouch that like she doesn't watch a lot of TV? Yes. Yeah. But like secret during the Emmy, she's gonna be like, There's no way that person should have won. And Mouch is gonna be like, How do you know that? And he, she's gonna be like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think it's a secret. I love that. I love that. Um but and also Bowden in the background, like when Kylie tells him to like stop acting like children, he's just like he's kind of like a proud papa, but also like he's like, I better go after her, but like I'm also kind of proud of her. Kylie laid down the law this episode. She I was, was so like- proud of her. She, like, has, she looks up to Bowden so much that, like, he was like, you need to cut the budget. And she was like, aye, aye, Captain. And, like, she did it and then was like, get the fuck over it. I know we've been talking about for a long time how, like, we want more of Kylie. But, like, after this, I'm like, I'm not that I want her to leave, obviously, but I'm ready for her to do more. Yeah. I need her to go to the Academy so that she can scare the shit out of the guys on truck. Yeah. I just, I'm ready for her to do more. Yeah. Um, you know, rather than just be like, yeah, it's Bowden, I'll do whatever. Yeah, like, I don't need her. Like, at this point, I she can handle more. Yeah. Would they refer um, to series regular and, like, put her through the Academy? I would love that. I would love that. I don't know. I think it really depends on, you know, this transition phase and, like, where it goes. But, yeah, I would love that. But the last time we wanted somebody to get up to regular, they got crushed by a movie theater. <laughs> I'm good. I'm over it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I mean, if if she would have to become a regular and then get killed off, she can stay in this role for, you know. If it comes at the cost of her getting offed, then, like, yeah, she can stay Bowdoin's secretary. Yeah. Yeah. 
I feel like they would only mess with Kylie if it was to do something to Bowden's storyline. That would hurt. That would hurt. Why can't we just like give her her own storyline? Why like, does she have to bolster a man's storyline? That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But how they're writing her right now, that would be the only thing I could see long term. She hasn't interacted with Stella in a hot minute. Yeah, it's been a couple episodes. Maybe we'll see more of that now that Severide's not around to for us to have Stellaride, so. Who knows? Yeah. Um. So this kind of starts to end because a guy from the grocery store brings them basically a whole load of goodies and like all the shop he's like yeah like after you guys left we all decided to pitch in and buy you guys things he's like you know he's like we just wanted to say thanks for everything you guys do and which is very sweet but also like i want to know what the conversation is where like everyone in the grocery store after the fire like after they leave everyone's like let's go buy them things like i don't like i just like try to picture that conversation happening in my head and like i don't see it happening well i i love this because like you know earlier in the episode mouch was starting to kind of lose faith in humanity right he was just like yeah he just like asked Stella. he was like why do we do anything like he was just kind of having like an existential crisis and this was one of those like it's one of those tiny moments in life where like Something little happens, but it's just enough to restore your faith in humanity just yeah. a little bit. And this was one of those moments because, like, I, I I felt those moments before, and they go a long way. Mm-hmm. So, like, I really like to see. I liked seeing that because I was like, oh, I know that's a good pick me up. Like, Mouch really needed that. That's good. Well, and it also was like good for Cruz because Cruz got the toilet paper. Ritter got his red vines. Like, it all worked out in the end. But um. yeah. And yeah, so it ends because Bowden calls Kylie like back in his office and she's he's basically like, yeah, you've done so great. And he's like, well, you can ease up now. And she's like, no, thanks. She's like, I want to do more. She's like, I'm going to do this next because it's honestly kind of a hot mess. And I was like, I love it. I love how he was like, I have created a monster. Yeah. It's like, what have I done? Yeah. That one wasn't as bad, right? You guys, Lauren's not a beer drinker, and I am, and so she's, yeah, just the play-by-play of what's happening. This is why, like, when, like, anytime we record, like, together, we're just, like, the bad classmates who can never get paired together because, like, we just get distracted and do dumb shit. Like, if we were in school together, the teachers would have separated us. Yeah, that could not, that would not have gone well. No. I got in trouble all the time for talking in school. You That never. does not surprise me. <gasps> what? What? Are you? That does not surprise me. It's okay. I, I kind of was that way too. Which is hilarious because my mom took me to speech therapy when I was, because I wasn't speaking when I was little. And she uh-huh. was like, she hasn't said anything. And they were like, oh, like they, whatever. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. But yes, Bowden has created a monster. Kylie is just, you know, off to tame the budget. The best. One roll of toilet paper at a time. Yeah, and Caitlin Girl crushed boss. it. I love Kylie so much. Yeah, and Caitlin crushed it. So oh, Caitlin totally crushed it. Love it. Love it. So, Brett and Dylan. Brett and Dylan. Yeah. Okay. So, Sylvia had mentioned. What were you gonna say? No, you were gonna say something. Finish your thought. Nothing. Liar. I had no thought. That's not mind, true. Mind blank. 
so not true anyway okay so last week you know sylvia had mentioned she was like i kind of fucked up with dylan like i called it off i don't think i really meant to i kind of regret it so violet we start this episode and violet's like so have you called him yet and she's like no nobody really calls these days i'm kind of overthinking it like is a phone call too aggressive which like i feel this okay i feel this like I feel like our generation, like, we don't call unless somebody's, like, dying. Yeah. It's so funny because, like, I feel like I have no problem because, like, I've done receptionist work for a long time. Like, I feel like I have no problem making calls just, like, in work-wise. But when it comes to personal life, like, even today I was having a conversation with my dad. He's like, why don't you just pick up the phone? I was like, I don't want to. Like, I was like, I really, I was like, I'd rather just send an email. Like, I don't want to pick up the phone. And like, you notice how like between the three of us, we never call on the phone. We just go right to FaceTime. It's either we text or we see each other face to face. There's no in between. Yeah. Well, even then, like if we do call, like Lauren's like, can you FaceTime? Like, it's always like, can you FaceTime? And it's like, yeah, I can. (laughs) It's like, we never call. We never call ever. Because it's just the conversation just flows better when you're face to face with people. Yeah. But even if we can't actually like look at each other we're still on facetime rather than on a phone call right we're on facetime like silent like on our phone sometimes we're just there we're just there it's like oh we need the like gossip session in the middle of the day at work okay 10 minutes okay sure facetime like i I feel like she overthinks like she she wouldn't hesitate to facetime him but calling him on the phone is kind of weird i don't think she would facetime him oh not like not while they're in this like awkward spot i think like I could see your FaceTiming him if they were, like, together, but not while they're in the middle of this, like, are we together, are we not together, or whatever. Not to be a hater, but this man is so bland. And he's yeah. a hockey player, which is a red flag, so. How so? Elaborate, please. No. Yes! Hockey men are triggers. It's fine. They're, like, deep-seated trauma we need to unpack on the podcast, Lauren. <laughs> no. I... Stand-up comedians and hockey players are a no-no. I will agree with you regarding Dylan's blandness. Yes. There's no flavor. There's no um, deny. Even from, there's no denying it. They have He's... no chemistry. None. None. Zip. And I feel like it's only become more obvious, like, after the break they had. Like, now that he's come back in the fold, I'm like, was he this bland three episodes ago? Because I thought he was, like, boring, but I didn't realize he was, like, this bland. He's giving this girl nothing. Literally nothing. He's just, like, he's a good guy, but there's literally nothing else. He's so vanilla. Oh, vanilla. Like, I think it's great that he does magic for kids and he's a hockey player and he's athletic. That's great, but there's nothing else to, like, set him apart. Yeah. Hockey players are only good in books. True. Hot take, Lauren. What do you have against hockey players? It's true. The hockey players in books are like... Top tier. Yeah. What What do both of you have against hockey players? No, like, I don't have anything against like... hockey players, but I even tweeted it last night. Like, for someone who's like... Because Brett's talking about how much she hates hockey. And I was like, for someone who like is supposedly a big romance novelist, like I'm surprised she doesn't like hockey. All the top tier sports romance novels are hockey based. It's either hockey, basketball, or soccer. I was gonna say you mean or to no, tell me? No, I lied. Hockey, basketball, or football. You mean to tell me that not one author has written like a totally smoky, like smutty soccer drama? Soccer? Like soccer romance novel? Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm gonna say there's I can literally name them yeah i can name one off the top of my head for sure by chloe right oh no then there's two yeah Kretel, maybe maybe this is a Colty. conversation for new york i was thinking colty but yeah oh colty yeah yeah there's yeah. no hooking up with people's dads is there colty is like the <laughs> longest longest slow burn of your life by marina zapata Zap- what did i say mariana zapata yeah huh okay all right she writes like the longest slow burns yeah that book is like i have it on my shelf it's like (laughs) yeah it's like a all right i'm learning so much about romance novels tonight you guys like this is educational you missed the whole conversation at your wedding because you weren't in the hotel with us but like (laughs) that was literally like all we we had like one night where you like only talked about this brent and i literally sat on the bed and we're like did you read this oh my god did you read this did you read this but wait what about this (laughs) Wait, but are these like are these the romance novels that you see on like the grocery store shelves with no. like the crazy ass covers and like the super muscular guy and like I mean those uh, are historicals, no. but that's I not mean, what we're the reading. Covers are insane. Like this is the one I'm reading right now, like how crazy this cover is. He's kind of hot. He is hot. Which one? Wait, which one? The terms and conditions one. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the Duke Disney World book. Yeah. Okay, wait. Terms and conditions is a hot title for a this romance is, novel, but this one is crazy. <laughs> That kind of looks like Milo. The Hail Mary one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, wait. Dupe Disneyland? Do I even want to know? <laughs> like Dupe Disney World, yeah. They call it Dreamland. The f- does he Dream does, World. I forgot Dream Does World. he run Dream World? Yeah, they own it. And is it actually like a sex dungeon? Because that's what it sounds like. No, they have like a nebula land and stuff. What are you guys reading? <laughs> <gasps> I'm getting a crash course tonight. My goodness. Okay. Anyway, so Lauren and Brenda hate hockey players. We've established that. No, okay. we don't yeah. hate hockey no. players. <laughs> no, we love them, especially in books. In books. In books. You, I, I might need a title or two of these like smutty soccer romances for absolutely no reason whatsoever. We got you. Okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, so, so Violet's like, dude, just, like, call him. Stop worrying and just call him. But she gets his voicemail. And so, yeah, she's leaving the voicemail. They get a call in the middle of it. So she's like, hey, Dylan, it's Sylvie. And then you hear, like, the alarm. And she's like, mm, gotta go bite. My so. favorite is she, like, still bites. She takes a bite of her grilled cheese before leaving. She's like, I can't leave it behind. Queen shit. She doesn't want to be hangry on a call. I stand. Yeah. Yeah. That was funny. That was funny. So they get back from the call. Brett's got a voicemail from Dylan and he's like, so I'm pretty busy, but like, come to my hockey game. And so she's like, okay, like, this is really weird. This is kind of a brush off because like, I don't like hockey. I don't think Violet likes any sports really. Um, Not Violet, Brett, I'm sorry, Brett. But Violet's like, dude, I'll go with you. And Brett's like, okay, that's like anything in life for me. I pretty much like, if you put something in front of me that I like don't like doing and Violet's like, I'll do it with you. I'm like, I'll hang with Violet. Sure. Yeah. Like I'll hang with Violet. I would try camping again. If Violet was like, I'll do it with you. I'm like, okay. Oh no. Oh, no, no. Camping. No, I know. I tried it once with Charlie and I was like, never, ever, ever again. <laughs> last time I, last time I went camping, I hiked 45 minutes to the only bathroom on the campsite with an outlet so I could straighten my hair. <laughs> why does that not surprise me at all i would do the same thing so like you're not alone don't worry no i would do the same thing 
Yeah. I went camping once and I was like, this sucks. I like to glamp. Like I need a cabin. I need a. I need Wi-Fi. Yeah. I need a mattress. I need outlets. Like a. I need air conditioning. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Period. Oh my gosh. We should do like a little glamping trip. Yeah. I was going to say. Like, oh, we could go to Wyoming. As long as there's Wi-Fi and coffee and AC and like. We... Civilization. Civilization. <laughs> True. The Grand. <laughs> I'm always down to another national park. You know somebody? Yeah. Emphasize yeah. the glamp on the glamping part of that. And I'm yeah. in. No, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. We were <laughs> during we road trip 16 hours from California to the Grand Tetons um in a day during like COVID because like this was like the beginning of COVID. And my friend was like, we got to stay in a yurt. And I was like, there's no way. A yurt? I'm staying in a yurt. <laughs> I can't picture you living in a yurt or staying in a yurt, Lauren. Not. No. Charlie knows now if he's like looking for camping options, like he's got to look for somewhere with like, he knows my like requirements. So if I'm going to come with, yeah. he knows like what he needs. Yeah. Never doing that again. Never doing that again. So... They go to the hockey game and Brett like gets really into it. I love how at the end of it, she's like, she's like talking like she understands hockey. And she's like, yeah, I love how he made that hit at the end of this and blah, blah, blah. And Violet's like, I taught her everything she knows. Like, yeah. Yeah. So she invites Dylan out to celebrate. She's like, do you want to come get drinks with us? Like we're going to Molly's. And he's like, no, I'm going out with the team, but I'll call you this week. What? yep red flag so we're just Dump him. we're gonna do an awkward little dance around each other i see how that goes what was the point of inviting her to the game if you weren't gonna go out and get drinks with her after like see you like that was good that was good and i was like i would have literally mm, i mean i don't know what this says about me but like i would have ghosted him after that i would literally have not talked to him after that it's a little awkward like like he's not in it to win it if he like wanted to he would if he wanted brett to be if you want to be with brett he would want to do anything in his power to spend time with her, to be with her, blah, blah. But now he's like, mm. no. They're doing an awkward yeah. little dancing dance around each like, other. He's not worth it, babe. He's not worth it. Mm-mm. I don't know. And that's the take. I might just be a little bit bitter right now. <laughs> About men. <laughs> but yeah, this this was triggering. <laughs> we'll talk later no it'll be okay lauren it'll be okay oh man so yeah violet's like that went well but brett's just like no i clearly just got blown off again which like i kind of agree with you sylvie i'm sorry boo but like kind of agree yeah yeah so dylan shows up at 51 once they get back from a call and he's like so we have the finals for hockey tomorrow like if you want to come please do but it still feels awkward as fuck. It's like, what's so gonna weird. Happen? I thought he was like, at that point when this was airing last night, I thought that was going to be the moment where he was like, where they had their like, hash it out, like hash it out all the feelings talk. And then he just shows up and he's like, okay, well you can come to the hockey finals. And she of course says yes, but I'm just like, that was not what, that that was weird. Totally weird. Like, babe got to play hard to get right now. I mean, she did. And then not really. But now it's just no. What was the point of her being like, what was the point of her calling it off? 
Because I feel like literally we just did it to like kill an episode or two. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So basically, I mean, finish the storyline and then I feel like we could talk about the rest. Yeah. Of okay. So, so Brett does go to the final game and she basically asks him to come over later. We pulled the clip for this. Do you want to come over later? We could order Giordano's and watch the game. Can I ask you something? Yeah. What changed for you? Um, I guess at some point it occurred to me that trying to force a relationship to be a certain way was, was kind of dumb. You know, it's like when we intubate a patient, everyone's throat is a slightly different shape, so you have to sort of let the tube go wherever it goes, and if you try and force it, then you can puncture a trachea. And... Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that's a, that's a terrible metaphor. Um, <laughs> all I'm trying to say is Whatever happens, wherever this goes, I'm game. Okay, then. Me too. And, like, so I get it from Dylan's side, too, right? Like, Dylan's like, I didn't want to jump back into it necessarily because, like, you kind of made me feel like I'm, you know, you're only coming back to me because I'm, you know, basically all you have. So, like, I get it from it. I get why he was hesitant from his perspective. But now it's also, like, like you said, it's, like, what's the point of this? Yeah. I don't. It's so weird. It's, like, I get it. Like, even though I'm a, I am was a huge Bretzy fan, I still am. It's, like, I get that Brett has to move on. Like, I get it. But this is not it. This is not how you, like, have her move on. It's really not. And a couple of our listeners pointed this out. And you'll hear it in the listener thoughts that, like, we went through the whole loop of her calling it off with Dylan and then Violet being like, lower your standards. And now like, this is the result. So she's basically settling for him. Yeah. Which like, again, this, I get that Brett has to move on, but this is not how she should have, this is not how this should have gone down. No. And I, I mean, I, I want, I, I, I think she's, I mean, I totally respect her for pulling the plug with her and Matt. Right. And being like, look, this is not going to work you're right it's too long distance we can't do this i'm the victim of like right person wrong time right i completely respect her for being assertive and knowing that and recognizing it and calling it out and pulling the plug but like this doesn't she doesn't have to settle for somebody else yeah like why are we rushing into another relationship well especially after she realized that already it's one thing that like she feels like she settled and she hasn't realized that she settled Mm -hmm. but like she already had that pointed out to her she already broke it off right right and i just feel like all the listeners like even if you're not for like brett if you were never like you're even if you're not a big brett fan everyone's just like what like this is not it like this is not the move it's just such a weird choice yeah like i know they'll never bring him back but like like i know they never bring him back but like they need to bring someone like granger in like a granger type where at least like whether you like that relationship or feel like it's going to be long-term or whatever, like at least there's chemistry. At least you can buy into it, you know. Why not? Viable. He's what on is another he doing show. now? He, he's on that Freeform show I told you about, remember? Forgot about that. With um, the, what's his name? Warren Christie. Oh my goodness, Spiralum's everywhere. Kelly Bishop. Okay. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they're on they're on a Freeform show, so he's busy. 
Unfortunately, would have been such a good callback. Yeah, and when people actually like before Evan, like people were like, "No, Granger should be a series regular." Like, I mean, it wasn't as big of a contingent, but still, there were people out there who loved him enough to be like, "Bring him back! Bring him as back as a series regular." Granger walked so Hawkins could run, and then get crushed. Yeah, but yeah. Ew, I feel like I'm being a hater tonight. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm being a hater. Well, wait till we get to the paid portion, then you'll be a lover. So it's fine. Yeah, a big time lover. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we need to get you a little bit more drunk before the PD portion. My Martin is there. I like hit like the like the slump when you're coming out, and I was like dying. Um, Amy's coming over in like five minutes ish. So like, you better refuel. I know. I'm here. I want to play Monopoly. I don't have Monopoly. I, know. I can download it on the Switch, but like I don't think we'd ever go back to it. I know. <laughs> we got some listener thoughts on this one. Ashley said, I am a huge Brettsy fan, but even I know with Casey gone, Brett had to move on. It's fine. But at this point, I almost would have preferred it be someone else, Carver even, because Sylvia being so initially meh about Dylan, being told to lower her standards and then go back to him anyway. It made me cringe. And beyond that, I just don't see it as believable or even viable. Awkward at best. Yep. Gotta agree. Period. If yep. she sees something in Dylan that we don't see, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. Hey, if but you she get the can't... buzz from him that we just don't get yet, go on with your bad self. Well, but the thing I is, she doesn't, or she wouldn't have broken up with him in the first place. Right. So it literally is her just being like, well, he was, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with Dylan. He just brett just realized that he wasn't her person which is fine right but it's like now that she, then they had that whole conversation she's like well i guess he wasn't that bad so you know yeah yeah um and jess b said oh my god can they stop trying to make sylvie and dylan happen it's not gonna happen i'm somewhat okay with sylvie moving on if we can't have bretzy but for the love of god sylvie and dylan are just so freaking bland i mean it's kind of the consensus sylvie and dylan are just bland yep but also, again, like, can you please show me something other than Sylvie's dating life or paramedicine? I promise, I promise that Sylvie does not wake up in the morning and, like, solely focus on those two things. Bring back Amelia. Like, bring back her family. Amelia. Her yeah. Scott, Amelia and Scott. Like, I mean, there is other things that we know about Brett. I promise that women are way more multifaceted than just their careers and just their jobs. Mm-hmm. Promise. Yeah. Baseball. All right. So last up, Violet and Gallo. Ooh, I have feelings about this one. I feel like we're not going to agree. Really? Ooh. Yeah. Proceed. So Violet and Gallo, there's not, there's a little bit here, but there's not like a ton. So basically we know fire 51 gets called to this fire at this horse stable. And so they're working on getting the stable manager and like the horses out and Gallo and Carver are, like, staying behind. They're working on trying to get that last horse out. So Carver leads the horse out. And all of a sudden, like, a beam falls down and knocks Gallo out for, like, two seconds. And Violet, Violet's, like, worried. She's, like, really worried. But, like, he's okay. He, like, walks out fine. Um, He's got no major injuries. He's just got this, like, laceration on the back of his neck. All very lucky considering. Mm-hmm. So they get back and Violet it goes into full like, you know, 
caretaker mode. She's checking on Gallo. She is like pissed that he didn't go to med, get it further checked out. He's like, fine. He's like, it's really, I'm okay. He's like, I'm fine. And she's like, no, I'm going back to med. I'm getting you prescription strength antibiotic ointment. Like, you can't tell me, like, you're doing what I say. And so she's like, even gets to the one point where like next shift, she's like putting more antibiotic ointment like on it. And like Ritter walks by and his like face though, he's like, really? He like, he knows, like again, Ritter is so perceptive. He like knows what's happening. Ritter knows everything. Yeah. So later on, this is like, it like kind of has, but like, this is just kind of bizarre. So 81 and 61 get called out to this patient. That's like having a vein treatment done. And like, they get called out because the doctor lost the wire inside the patient because he was drunk. New fear unlocked. But actually, though. New fear unlocked. Yeah. So Violet and Gallo, this storyline ends because they're talking about, like, the crazy call that they went on. And Violet mentions the white man again. And she's like, well, actually, like, you know, I'll just come over and check on it tomorrow. And then we can go grab brunch. And then this happens. You know what? Maybe I should just come over tomorrow and check on it. Everyone knows that day five is critical. Okay. And if all's well, we can grab brunch after. Yeah, sure, why not? I mean, that'd be, that'd be great. I haven't been to the Highline in a minute and they've got um, bottomless mimosas. What's wrong? Um, I can't get brunch with you, Violet. Okay, well. If you don't want to, uh... no, no, it's uh, it's it's not that I don't want to. Cause I would I would actually, I'd love to go. So what's wrong? I worry that everything you've been feeling lately isn't really about me. You think it's about Evan? Yeah. I'm sorry. Like I can't imagine how complicated this home must be for you, Violet. But for me, it's not complicated at all. It's really simple, and it's only about you. Okay. Say what you, your feelings. I'm cu- I, I think I know where you're standing on it, but. Is she lonely? Yes. That does not give Blake the right to mansplain her feelings to her. I don't think he's mansplaining. Carry on. I actually think. And I get it. Like, I'm not necessarily there yet. I don't think we're need to go on to, like, Violet and Gallo right this second. Like, I think I think it's very clear that they're going to end up together at some point. I don't think it needs to happen right this second. But I actually was pretty proud of Gallo because Gallo could have very easily taken advantage of Violet's feelings and that she's lonely and that, you know, whatever she's projecting her feelings for Evan onto Gallo, whatever it is. Because it Gallo's always had a Gallo's always had a thing for Violet. And I think he could have taken advantage of that. But I was actually pretty proud of him for the fact that he recognized that this is what Violet was doing. And he was like, I can't. He's like, as much as I want to, it has nothing to do with you. Like, we can't go there. I I get I get that. I do get that. And I think I think that is where he was coming from. I think he didn't go about it in a very nice way. I think he went about it in a very condescending put down kind of way. I I but what's condescending about it? The fact that he goes, but for me it's not complicated at all. It's all about you. That's pretty condescending of like 
hey, like this doesn't make sense to you, poor baby, but this makes perfect sense to me. And it's your problem. No, I don't think that's what he's saying at all. Like, I think for him, I think what he's talking about is like, for her, it's complicated because it's Gallo and Evan and you've got all the feelings. And for him, like all he's thinking about is her. Because hmm. he says it in like a very, like he's not, I don't, like he doesn't say it with a condescending tone. Like it, like he says it in like a way where it's like, well, no, like it's for me, like it's really simple and like it's only about you. Like he says it in like a kind of soft tone. Like I took it as it's like all he thinks about is her and like he gets that right now he's not the only one on her mind. He She's also still grieving, you know, Evan. Hmm. That's thing, how I took it. My thing is like Gallo and Violet, even when they were hooking up, even after, they've always been friends. So if this happened, even if Evan was still alive, and Gallo was crushed by whatever, and he had a laceration. I feel like Violet would still act the way she did to make sure she he was okay. And so, and then like I feel like they would still like go out to brunch and things like that. So I just feel like I don't. I was just like, why is it all of a sudden like a relationship has to be like teased like in the mix of it? I think that she would have still overreacted and I still think she would have like gone out of her way to go back to med and get him the ointment. I agree with that. I think though what they're trying to portray is that like she's still in her feelings. Like she throw like I don't think she would have gone so far as to like the next shift after it happens, like sit on the bed and like rub the ointment in and like be like, okay, well after like five days, like I'm coming over again to put more ointment on your little tiny laceration. Like, I don't think she would have gone so far, but she does, she is going that far because she, I mean, I, she's lonely. Like she, you know, still in her feelings, she's grieving. She doesn't really like, I don't think she would have gone that far with the obsession of like the ointment on the little tiny laceration if they were just friends and Evan was still alive. Is it a loneliness thing where she's just like, I really need somebody to keep me company? Or is it a thing where she's terrified to lose another person she cares about on a call? Well, I think it is. I think it's both. She couldn't save Evan. She (laughs) tried to save him. She tried to CPR. Like, she tried to save him. Nothing that she did could have saved him. He was (laughs) dead. So I think now she's, like, trying to save Gallo or just, like. Right, she's Boy, throwing all her feelings into the fact that like, Gallo's still here and she didn't lose Gallo. She's trying to control a situation because she couldn't control the other one. Yeah. 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 But I think, too, I think the thing is, is that, like, I think it's both. I think she's lonely. I think, you know, I just, I think there's a lot of different things going on. And I don't think it was necessarily going to be like, oh, they were going to start a relationship. Like, I don't think Violet thinks that. But I think Gallo could have easily misconstrued it as, like, a date if he didn't have to actual thought of being like no like violet could potentially interpret this different like this could go a bunch of different ways and i'm not going to be that asshole who's like taking advantage of my friend even though i have feelings for her who's still grieving yeah that makes sense that's fair and like i i think it's obvious that like i think they're gonna go to Vallo eventually but this actually kind of made me feel like okay well maybe it's not i don't I'm not saying by the end of the fin- end of the season that they're going to end up together. Like, I'm like, oh, that's probably a season 12 thing. I, like, did some thinking about this in the car the other day because we all know that I do my best one Chicago thinking when I'm in the car. And, like, I feel like even though they are going to point to Vallo eventually because, like, that's always been the end game is to put them back together, it's never going to compare to Hakami. Never. And I think I think back to this is us when Rebecca and not Rebecca, um, Kate and Toby were basically on the verge of divorcing. And Toby basically said, 
it's, I mean, this is basically because I'm never going to be Jack Pearson. They're going to get together, but it's just never quite going to be enough for Violet because Gallo is not Evan Hawkins. But the thing is, though, and again, I feel like I'm like total Gallo stan over here and I'm not. But like, I guess my question is, so is that with anyone? Like, if it's not Gallo, like if Violet moves on with Joe Blow or whatever, like, are we all going to feel like that? Like, is Violet never going to be able to move on because we're all going to just sit here and compare him to Evan? I think so. I could see it. But like, and I'm like, again, it's like, but that's not fair to Violet. You know, like, I get it that like. Well, it's not fair to Violet that Evan got crushed under a movie theater. I got it. But I don't know. I just feel like I feel like at some point and I feel like if they play their cards right, I don't think I'll hate it mm-hmm. when it happens. But I think if they do it too soon, then that's where they're setting themselves up for hating it. Yeah. Yeah. Because once upon a time, I did like it. And I think, you know, they can go back there eventually. But I think if they try to do it like in three episodes from now, they're going to just set themselves up for they have to do it perfectly yeah like, and i don't know what that looks like but they just they can't rush into it if they rush into it then they're setting themselves up for failure look i liked Valo too until they made blake look like a tiny little boy like he was jealous he was yeah they turned him from a little cinnamon roll to like kind of icky yeah he gave me the ick. It's a phrase I got from you. Getting the ick? Getting the ick and like being icky. That's all from you. I never said the word <laughs> icky until you came along. Yeah. Literally everything. I don't know. The I just, like I said, I didn't think this was him mansplaining it. I just, I actually was pretty proud of Gallo in this moment. Yeah. I, I, I came at it kind of defensive for Violet. Just how he, he like, it just felt like he was explaining to her how she feels. And I was like, bro, bro. Like, when she was up at two in the morning after Evan died and could not sleep, who was she texting? Wasn't Gallo. Or was it? She wasn't texting anybody. Well, also, obviously, like, we saw Ritter is not a fan. Of Valo? Yeah. See, I didn't even take that as that. I took it as, like he's friends with both of them and he's worried that, like, if they they could end up in their, like, if they're not careful that like he knows that right now violet's not in the space for it yeah yeah i just took it like here we go again like oh well yeah and i think because right now gallo has been like i think he's worried that like gallo would potentially take advantage of violet's vulnerability (laughs) because he knows that like even when she was dating hawkins like gallo wanted to still like break it up and he was like he gallo had his jealous moments and whatever so like reader knows that like gallo could easily mess us up and I think that's why when he saw them, he, I don't think it was an icky at like, oh, ooh, gross, those two, like, they can never be together. Like, I don't think it was that. I think it was like, oh, shit, Gallo might mess us up and, like, ruin his friendship even more. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. That's how I took it, at least. But. um. So we did have a listener thought on this. Um, Emily said, as much as I love him as Evan, I thought Blake and Vi were cute tonight. They were always were, but Gallo wasn't mature enough for her or the type of relationship we had with Evan. Going into this episode, I was not ready because I didn't think Blake was mature enough, but they proved me wrong and I was pleasantly surprised by him. He was sweet, respectful, and I enjoyed that. As long as they build this slowly and Blake keeps growing up, I'm actually excited to watch them find their way to each other again. They both deserve it. 
Okay. But. I'm still not on board, but I might change my mind. I don't, I like I said, I don't think they can go there in like three episodes from now and expect people to be on board with it. And I think what I still rather have Hakami or Valo, I'd still rather have Hakami, but like I can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I just want more for Violet. Like I want Violet eventually to find love and happiness again. Like I want her eventually to like, climb out of her grief hole like i want that for her because i love violet so much Mm -hmm. so like i want her eventually to find some sort of happiness even if it's eventually moving on from evan whether that's with gallo or not i don't know but like i mean i'm sure it's gonna be gallo but like still like i want that for her so if that means you know i want that for her yeah and like even i admit that like we are gonna have to get to a point even as as fans of the show as violet fans like we've got to get over evan we just have to well you don't have to get over it i think we just have to be like realize that like Violet has to be able to have the chance to be happy. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you want Violet to be happy and like be a full rounded character again with like career stuff and a relationship, like whether that's with Gallo or someone brand new, like it's going to happen. Yeah. My and that doesn't thing- mean you have to forget Hawkins, but. Yeah. My whole thing was just like, not even that. I mean, I don't like, I didn't love Gallo. I have been very vocal as anti Vallo, but my thing was, I just hated the idea of them killing off Hawkins just to yes. push them together. I think that's just cheap writing. I so think I agree. A different way than I I could I could potentially be on board depending on how these storylines will play out. And I think there's a difference if like Evan is still alive, but he and Violet are broken up and they go like a love triangle route. Like I think there's a difference even with that than like, oh well, we just decided to like not have a love triangle and like to make hawkins like not an option anymore yeah like i think if they go a love triangle route and then like violet chooses to you know she's broken up with hawkins but she chooses gallo like i think people perceive it differently too mm-hmm. but you can see that yeah yeah any other notes on fire lots happening lots some happening. good some bad mm-hmm all right so, it's but PD this was time. a good episode it was yeah. a good episode yeah pd but... was the best but pd was the best i agree with you on pd being the best i know lauren is chomping at the bit okay we're gonna stretch it because that's what we do this. before pd is we stretch it i almost just spilled my beer that would have been so bad okay we're gonna stretch it and then we're just gonna like i agree i think pd was the best of the three which like it's very refreshing when i can say that because it's one of they the best a of the season. Magnificent specimen. It was. I agree with you. Patty killed it. Killed it. It's so good. And like, I'm intrigued by this backstory line and where we're going with it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I know things. Like, if this is what the finale is going to be related to, which I'm sure it is, like, it's, I'm, I was very captivated by it. Why are you raising your hand, Lauren? <laughs> so much. Scoot closer to the mic because I know you want to just like go off on this one. Okay, so we start this episode at the ice rink. This episode was like icing on the cake. Everything was just so good. Okay, so we're at the ice rink and Jordan is teaching Michaela hockey and like how to check. This is like the headcanon of our dreams. And Adam and Kevin are watching them. Like proud dads. Literally proud dads. And then then Adam was like, she said that... um, Jordan is a better teacher than I am. And then I was like, oh, he takes her to 
teach her how to do hockey. I think my favorite part of all of this is uh, Michaela checks Jordan and you hear, uh, <laughs> you hear Kev just go, Jordan, stop crying. And if you're listening closely, Jordan, just go, shut up, Kev. Shut up, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Perfection. Well, my favorite thing is like you barely even see Jordan and well, not my favorite thing, but like I love how like you barely even see Jordan in this episode, but like they credited Kylan as like the actor who plays Jordan. Like they brought him back just for like that one scene where you barely see him. I love this like idea of, you know, Michaela's becoming friends with Jordan. Cause like last time we saw Michaela, they were talking about like Burzik coming over for dinner. Yeah. And Kevin was like, Yeah, Jordan's gonna show her how to make this like marshmallow thing. Well, yeah. and they um in um nine it was nine ten they said that she went over to his birthday party oh yeah i think michaela could be good for jordan like you know jordan was getting into trouble and stuff earlier and now that michaela's in the picture like everybody just wants to rally for her and be better for her i need the fanfic where like they're all intelligence is all on a call or whatever. And so like Jordan is the only one who can watch Michaela. Like I need that like Jordan babysits Michaela fic. Oh my God. I need it. Oh my God. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. It's I I, just, I love this. I love this whole narrative they're coming up with with like them becoming friends. It's so yeah. sweet. Oh my gosh. So the other cool thing about this Hi. is that uh, Kevin is like, so where's Kim? Like, is she coming? And he's like, no, uh, she has an appointment. And so Kevin just looks at Ruse and is like, so just for the record, she told me about that. Like, I love the way these two communicate about Kim. And like, like, it's funny. I just love that Adam respected Kim enough to not just start blurting out like everything that she's going through and like all her personal stuff. And then until it was Kevin saying like, oh, she told me, you could just see this like relief wash over Adam. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, I can like talk about it or I can like mention it or whatever. Because, but like, the way that he didn't just, like, start being, like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 this PTSD attack, blah, blah, blah. Like, I love how he respected her boundaries and, like, just didn't start talking about all her stuff. Yeah. 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 Agree. It's good. It's really good. So Adam gets a text from a patrol buddy who wants him to go check out this crime scene. You guys, I legit thought we were going to get Mac calling him dad. I I thought we were going to get it, like, multiple times this episode. It did not happen. Don't get me started on that. So no, but but this is the place to get started on it. So so he gets the call from the patrol buddy, and Kevin is like, "Dude, go! We've got her! Like, we're gonna drop her off at the house, all hopped up on candy and chaos, and like, you know, go for it! We've got her! Oh my goodness, this little family! I'm dying! It's just so perfect!" And like, also the way how Ke- when Kevin was like talking about all the shit that's Michaela's seen, and he's like, "We gotta protect her!" And like the way he emphasized protect, like. He's understanding the dad role now. He's like really getting the gist of it. He's like, we have to protect her. Yeah. But I also love just like how cute Ramona is playing Michaela. Cause like mm-hmm. in this, like when she says like bye to Adam, she's just like waving so energetically. She's just like body. the cutest so thing. Cute. I, it's, it's so cute. I, I legit thought we were going to get a bye dad when like yeah. he was like, I'm going to go to work. I'll see you later. You're going to go home with Kevin. They were like, bye, see you later. I was like, fuck, I thought we were going to get a bye dad. I thought she was going to like slip it out. Yeah. Well, and then I don't understand the issue of not giving the dad because I get it, like whatever. But, and Patty last did an interview. Well, because I thought that we were going to get it this season, but Patty did an interview and he was like, I don't think that Mac needs to call him dad. Like blah, 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 blah. Like has this whole thing. And I was like, okay, like, whatever <laughs> whatever 
floats your boat. Like I, I, for me, like do it for me, please do it for me. But also I think in, like, I've talked about this before, but like coming from like not a fictional standpoint, when like Michaela didn't grow up with a father figure, as we know, like she lived with her uncle and her grandpa, but we have, but that's not like a dad you know and so Adam is her first father figure she's really had in her life and he shows up does all the things and versus when she grew up with a mom for seven years and then saw her mom be brutally murdered in front of her and then like what was it like 10 15 episodes later she calls Kim mom which I need to preface this I am not complaining I am not ungrateful I will take any little thing I can get I cried in that scene I loved it but I'm just saying like like if you're really looking at the situation it would be a lot more practical for her to call Adam dad before she would ever call Kim mom. Call Kim mom so yeah. that's why I'm like why are we why are we why are we holding back the dad like just spit it out do it that's my whole thing because they're making it like I don't know just how they're talking about it like it's some like why would she call him dad like he's just like showing up for her and I'm like no Anyways, that's my thing. <laughs> so Adam goes to his patrol buddy scene and it's not good. Basically, there's a meth lab next door that basically takes out an entire family. Yeah. Like just by proximity, that's how they die. It's horrible. So they run whatever camera footage they can find, which is really not much. And lo and behold, it's Samantha Beck. Oh, hey, girl, hey. Mm-hmm. Hey, girl, hey. So if you don't remember who Samantha Beck is, she's the one from that episode when Sean basically tried to get back in touch with Haley and was like, hey, this woman got abducted. That's Samantha. Yep. She got abducted. She wouldn't really talk like that. That. That is Samantha. Okay. So they start following her to try and figure out her routine. They're just really trying to get it down. She's always the one doing runs. It's always completely clean because, you know, basically they're, they're meth dealers is what's happening here. So... Adam's like, okay, well, we can fix this. Like, the Bex never saw me, so I can just go under. So during one of her car switches, they basically try to pull a rip and, like, fake rob her. And Adam, like, saves the day. And really, the fake robbers are Kevin and Torres, and they're, like, the worst fake robbers ever. They're so bad. I love it so much. They're like, give us your money! And we're like, oh, Kev, stop that. Like, It's like, for someone who's so good at going undercover like Torres is, like, he really sucked as a kidnapper. They really sucked at that. Yeah, they were not scary at all. No. (laughs) At all. So Adam is like, Adam tries to act like he's saving the day, and then, like, he's got a gun, and he's like, he basically is like, you gotta trust me. Like, I don't mean you any harm, but, like, let me get in your car and drive off right now, which, like, that's a tall order, dude yeah that's a lot like you're asking a lot of her in that moment but it happens Mm -hmm. so she gets adam out of there and she's like do you want a beer like you just saved my ass like i may as well invite you for one and so he's like no like i know the deal i know who you are i want a job working for you and your dad so brian are you gonna jump in Uh uh-uh oh i thought i was gonna cut you off i'm sorry so he's like yeah i want a job working for you and your dad And so she kind of gives us like the primer on him. She's like, look, my dad doesn't trust most people. So if by some like grace of God, he trusts you, you're going to be with him for life. Like you will not get to leave. Do you understand? When she was like, you will be with him for life. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, all right. Yeah. 
gonna be something that's gonna like follow Adam around okay all right so he's like no like I want to do this he reassures her so she brings him to her dad and convinces him by saying that they have some big thing coming they need more bodies and Mr. Beck is fucking creepy Ooh, he's creepy yeah I was really waiting for them to come back to this line because he's like so this is what you want he's like this is gonna is this gonna make you happy and I was like waiting for them to come back to that and they never did and I was like what does that mean this man played 3xk on castle and if you were a castle fan this man is literally horrifying so he was like a serial crazy serial killer kidnapper so scary anyways so he just like for like season so he plays villains like all the time yeah oh my goodness oof so mr back tells his right hand guy he's like okay take adam vet him let's just like see what he does and so they basically take him on this like recon mission to basically like basically these dealers owe Mr. Beck like a thousand dollars. And so Adam has to go get it is basically what's going on. And so the guy gives Adam a gun. He's like, go handle it. And so the guy pulls a knife and is like trying to stab Adam. And Adam is just very like the Wolf Entertainment account like dropped something. They were like, if you notice, like. He's never the aggressor. He like parries, he reacts, but like he can never go forward and like try to make an aggressive movement because CPD cannot do that. Yeah. And so, yeah. I this, that was so interesting. It Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Totally interesting. And so Voight's outside and he's like, okay, like we're just going to let this play out. Like Adam's going to call it if he's in danger. Adam's pretty much struggling, but you know, Adam gets them pinned and he gets the job done because Adam, of course. Yeah. Adam. So, yeah, Adam goes back to the 21st, asks if they felt the same thing. He's like, look, something's really weird between Samantha and the dad. Am I the only one who picked up on this? And he just says, he's like, she's really scared of him. And Boyd's like, no, I think she held her own. Like, she's helping him run a really large scale detail. It's just not a good father-daughter relationship. And Adam's like, no, it felt like more than that. And so Kim checks on him and he's like, no, I'm fine. But like, this is not what I expected. I love, 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 love that this case basically like made Adam reflect on like the father-daughter relationship. Yeah. This is the exact kind of content that like suckers us in. Well, it's the first time in a long time PD's actually done a case. Well, granted, this is like a long-term case, but still a case that like really reflects what's going on, you know, in the personal because mm-hmm. like otherwise like the cases are like yeah okay you can kind of pull something out of it and be like okay this is what kevin took away from this case that like made him reflect on the per- but like it's not the same like this really made like you said adam really reflect on the father-daughter relationship given that he is a new father to a daughter and i just i really appreciated that father to a daughter adam's a father to a daughter he's a girl dad did you guys notice this might have just been like how they like acted out of the scene but the camera panned in on kim's face for like way more than a beat and she was like the way she was looking at him when he left after she was like how like she like questioned how he thought she was like how what do you mean that you don't think that samantha is not what you expected did you pick up on that i have to go back and watch but i like could see it i mean i picked up that she was kind of concerned for him but i didn't really pick up that they lingered on her okay but, like, I, I caught that she was definitely just, like, what's going on in your head? Oh, yeah. She's concerned AF, like, this whole yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. Worried Kim crazy. Which, like, if this, I mean, I if, if Adam weren't a dad, this obviously would not have shaken him as much. Like, se- early season Ruzik, 
would not have cared. He would have just gotten the job done and moved on. But like Datum is like fully invested. Yeah. We'll get to my theories in a hot sec. I want to hear your theories. Well, we'll have to finish because it's for 1718. Okay. Yeah. So I like scrolled way past where I was. Hold on. There we go. Uh, yeah so Adam's just like she's not what I expected and she she just isn't and so he gets a text from Samantha she wants to meet him first thing he goes to the house and she's like look unofficially all of the jobs come through me okay so she just says she's like do not talk to my dad unless he talks to you cool so she's making her kids lunch and as she's talking like she opens his backpack and she sees something and so I feel like everyone was just like, no, the dad did not put meth in his backpack. Yeah. It wasn't meth. It was not meth. So, yeah, he like she he's trying to get answers out of her. He's like, what's going on? She gets in the car. She leaves. Adam follows her. And she's like, did grandpa give these to you? Like, what's going on? He just like, Callum, the kid, just doesn't answer. So Adam fishes it out of the trash. And basically it's it's a it's a book called the turner diaries it's written in the 70s by a neo-nazi and a hitler youth knife inscribed with the phrase the phrase blood and honor in german i have questions how does one acquire a hitler youth knife i don't think you want to know the answer to that i mean i don't know but i don't feel like you want to know the answer to that i don't want to know the i i want to know but i don't want to know yeah yeah no no so it turns out it's so scary isn't it I know it's terrifying. So Richard Beck is he's a white supremacist. So mm-hmm. not only is he a meth dealer, but he is a potentially a domestic terrorist. Yep. We're That's dealing a great with, like, combination. We're dealing with some really heavy duty shit. Yeah. Heavy he's duty. like literally forcing his ideals on his grandson. Yeah. Yep. But and of like, course, you like hear, Samantha even says that she's like, all I asked was this one thing, and like you couldn't even do that. Well, and, like, of course, they can't police him for his hateful views, like, unless there's, like, having hateful views as terrible as it is, like, isn't a crime. So, like, there's no crime involved. So, it's like, you just basically have to stay the course. Like, we can't do anything about the fact that he's a white nationalist. Yeah. Which is, like, I know that, but, like, it also sucks. It's, like, yeah, you should be able to do something about all white nationalist views, but it's also, like, you can't. Like, them having the views as wrong as they are isn't actually wrong. Like, what a dangerous human being. He's a meth dealer and a white supremacist. Yeah, what a combo. Oh, my God. Good Lord. Brandon, take it from here. So, Kim finds Adam at the end of the night, and, like, he's still doing everything he can to look into Samantha. And, basically, they come to the conclusion, you know, that she's, like, tied to her dad in every way. And then we have this conversation. I'll tell you what, though. You should have seen her face when she found the knife and the book. It was primal. She didn't want that stuff anywhere near her kid. She can be a protective mom and still be involved in this. Yeah. She's trafficking drugs, Adam. Family died because of their meth. I mean, if you think you can protect her... I know, I know. I just... There's something about she and the kid that reminds me of us, you know? That's what's different. Right? Like, she writes cute little notes to Callum on a post-it note in his school lunch like we do. And Callum, he's sweet like Mac. Still just a sweet kid. Let's go home before you have to go back, all right? Let's go see our daughter. Yeah. Good call. Yeah, I know. Lauren's, like, dying over there. 
He's sweet like Mac. Crying. Well, and like the fact that like, yeah, and like the fact that he's like, I don't know, like something about her and the kid like reminds me of us. Like as soon as he said that, I was like, oh my God. Literally died. Yeah. Do you think Adam, Adam like pre-Michaela, do you think he wanted kids or did he just want kids because, did he want kids for himself or did he just want kids because Burgess wanted kids? Did he ever see himself as a dad, I think is what I'm trying to ask. I think he would have been like, okay, either way. I think if he had become a dad, he would have liked it. But I think if he like didn't become a dad, I don't think he would have been like sad about it either. Yeah. I think he just, he just wants whatever Kim wants. Well, yeah. And so Kim wanted Mac, he wanted Mac, and now he loves her. Yeah. And now he, you know, whether Kim wanted it or not, like he would want Mac. Love it. And I also just love that he was like, let's go see our daughter. And I was like, oh my God. I know. And then she she was like, I think that's a good idea. And he was like, yeah, good call. She was like, let's go see our kid. Let's go see our daughter. Well, and then like you cut to Adam tucking Mac in. Like she's already asleep, but he like brings the blanket up over her and or... she wakes up. And like the first thing she says is like, want me to get you ice? Oh, literally I was when I tell you, this is probably like, I was, I, okay. I'm really dramatic. We can probably tell. Um, I cry, like, so, like, sob, and I take crying photos. <laughs> then I send them to the group chat when I'm crying. Yep. When I tell you, like, I have never been so wrecked by a scene in my entire life. Like, Adam Tucking and Mac, like, changed me as a human being. Lauren, I how many times have you watched this scene? A lot. A lot. It yeah. was just perfect. Like, literally perfect it's just so it's everything about it is just perfect and like the way he loves that little girl i know that is his girl i melted into like a million pieces when she basically like offered him her hand yeah i melted into a million pieces it immediately made me think about how like she in the I mean, it's not essentially the same thing, but the parallel where like when they first found her and they were all going where they were singing that undercover safe house and she like reaches for Kim's hand to like have her stay with her and mm-hmm. then cut to this bed and she like holds Adam's hand to like have him stay with her while she falls asleep. Just like killed me. Like literally killed me. It was so good. Yeah. My thing is like, and she like, when she like says like, we want me to get you eyes and she like puts her little hand on his face and I was I know. And just like how like she was already sleeping in bed and he like wanted to tuck her in and just like check on her. So yeah. sweet. It's just I just I just can't. I just love it. So perfect. It's so it's perfect. So good. It's probably like my top five PD scenes ever. That's it's really good. And I wasn't expecting it. I thought the ice skating scene was gonna be it with Mac. And it's like, that would have been enough, but this is like... Icing on the cake. Yeah. Literally put me over the edge. Yeah. So, Adam shows up to the yard the next day, and he, like, wants, of course, to talk about what happened the day before, and Samantha's like, no, we're not doing that. And he's, like, reassuring her, though, because he's, like, still trying to get in good with Samantha. He's like, you know, I'm here if you want to talk. He's like, my daughter Michaela says I got a nice, soft-talking-to kind of face. And the cut to Kim looking so horrified when he used Mac's name. Yes. I was like, that's probably not your smartest idea. 
Not the foreshadowing. Very scared. Wait, foreshadowing how? That's Theory. coming with her theories. She can't get kidnapped again. No. What's your theory? And- okay, there's a like a couple of how 17. Okay, because 17. Okay. 17 and 18 are Burzak episodes. And Marina had tweeted or had responded to someone on, on Instagram and said that 17 was a huge Burzak episode and like tipping like their relationship or whatever. But then it was found out that 18 is also a Burzak episode. So what's happening right now is we're thinking that 17 ends on a cliffhanger and 18 is like the finale of that storyline or whatever. So like we're thinking that Adam gets hurt or something happens to Adam at the end of 17 before Kim is able to like tell him her feelings for him or anything like that. And then 18 happens and then he like obviously is fine and blah 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 and she finally gets to tell him how she feels when they hmm. together i can work but with then that mac goes into it where either how i want the storyline to play out is i don't want samantha anything i don't want samantha to die i don't want anything to happen to her like i want them to be able to get her dad and then like cut her a deal and or something happens like i don't because i feel like if she died i think that would literally kill adam i think that would Samantha yeah, yeah. destroy him I would just kill him and so but then I also don't want it where if she died then the kid the grandson would have to go with the grandpa and mm-hmm. like that would be a whole mess um there's just they could do happening. different they could do different paths to that and yeah. I don't know but I feel like if something happened to her son um then I feel like she, since she knows about Mac something could happen to mac they're not but they're but i don't think that's going to be the storyline because it's too close to what happened last season they're yeah. not going to do it again yeah so i'm thinking it's going to be more on the something adam gets hurt adam side yeah hmm. i could see that so adam starts loading boxes and he's like cutting them open trying to find the product and he only of course finds t-shirts and so like he's finished and he like gets out of the truck and he's confronted by richard who's like come with me and, like, Kim's nervous about the whole situation, but Kevin's like, listen, like, Adam will call it if he needs to. Like, he's okay. He knows what he's doing. Worried, Kim. She was so worried. So worried. She was like, she was like, this does not feel right. Like, we need to go in there. Like, we need to call it. So worried. Yeah. Well, the way she was, like, she's like, he can't call it if he's got a bullet in his head. head. Damn, Kim. My girl. Yeah. So, Richard takes him down to like where he keeps all of his guns and he's like, I want to talk about my daughter and my grandson. And then we have this conversation. I thought we should talk. Okay. But what? My daughter. My grandson. Samantha likes you. I like her too, sir. She's never brought anyone in before. I didn't know that. Makes me ask myself, why you? Are you probably have to ask her? I did. She said you remind her of me. Ambitious, resourceful, loyal. But I wonder. I have to know. Are you like me? 
Are you with me? I think I am. I got 14 words that say I am. And if I were to ask you about my daughter and my grandson, about whether they're doing anything that doesn't seem like me, would you answer me? Anything like what, sir? Well, let's just go ahead and say anything at all. Anything my daughter does that seems of importance, you tell me. Sure. He's so honestly. Creepy. Yeah, I as soon as he like brought him down to this layer, I was like, "What the hell is this?" I was literally like screaming, crying, throwing up when this was happening. I was so stressed out. He's got his own personal shooting range. Like that is weird. He's literally so scared. With like hundreds and hundreds of guns. So scary. Yeah, it's wild. So Adam's done. He goes back to the truck and he's got a sticky note with like a drop location. But while this is happening, he gets a call from Samantha saying that like Callum's gone and she thinks Richard might have taken him. So Ruzik's forced with like he has to figure out what he wants to do. He has to like, does he take the truck and do the drop off or does he go to Samantha? And so he goes to Samantha instead of doing the deal. And like while that's happening, Birdwater and Torres stay at the lot and Upton and Voight follow Ruzik in case he needs backup. But while Birdwater and Torres are watching the lot, Instead of seeing just, like, one truck leaving, it's multiple trucks. So they're like, well, which ones do we follow? And um, Richard doesn't have Callum. So they know that, like, you know, Samantha's worried that, like, Richard took Callum, but he didn't. I was so worried in this moment that Adam got made. Am I the only one who was worried about that? Yeah. I thought 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 the trucks were, like, to confuse intelligence. Yeah. So Ruzik goes to Samantha's house. He finds, he like is the calm to her like craziness in this moment. And he finds, he's like, oh, listen, Callum's tablet's still in the Wi-Fi, meaning he's in the house somewhere. And like Ruzik found him in the basement and he basically admits that he's like hiding because his mom won't let him see his grandpa anymore. Dad, um, he's such a dad knowing the tablet's on the Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah when he does like he handles this moment well because like this is obviously a tough moment like Callum doesn't know any better than like he just wants to know like be with his grandpa like he likes his grandpa mm-hmm. um and like he doesn't understand why his mom is keeping him from her you know yeah. keeping him from him but Adam handles it pretty well um but meanwhile you have Birdwater and Taurus they follow the truck that Adam was supposed to be driving but there was no switch so it was basically probably supposed to be a test for Adam and, like, later, when they're back at the 21st, Adam's like, I made the wrong call. And Kim's like, no, you didn't. The way she cut him off, his self-doubt so fast, she's like, no, you didn't. Because yeah. she believes in him. <laughs> yeah. Um, And Ruzik's pissed because, like, basically they're stuck with no way to move forward. Like, the only thing they have is Samantha. Um, And then the episode ends and you have Ruzik back at her house. And this is how it ends. What are you doing here? I was, you know, I was headed home. I thought I'd check her. Come on in. Tell him all right? Yeah. He's okay. Look, I'm, I'm sorry that I called you. I didn't know who else to call. Samantha, you can call me. Like I said, you can talk to me. You did me a huge favor giving me this job. 
You need the help, you just say the word. I'll do what I can. I can be here. Speaking of the job, should I be worried? I mean, I just didn't show up today. Can you smooth that out with your dad? Yeah. You're gonna have plenty more chances to prove yourself to him. My buyer's got more product coming. What? What do you mean product? Don't you get paid in cash? With my dad, it's not always in cash. What is it? Supplies. Preparations. For what? For the end. Adam Ruzik is a sweet, precious dad who must be protected at all costs. Let me pose this question. Ooh, yes, please. Do you think that Samantha is going to fall for Adam? I could see it. It wouldn't honestly surprise me. Yeah. I could see it. And the thing is, and like, I wonder, Lauren, I will pose this question. I mean, I'll pose this question to both of you. Like, I think one of the things that people have always said, especially like in trying to get Kim's feelings out for Adam, like people have always said, like, we need to see like Ruzik potentially move on. And not that I think he's moving on with Samantha, but like in an undercover sense, he might play that role and like do you think that would bring out kim's feelings and be like oh maybe i do actually have feelings for him could see that too my thing is because this is oh like you said this has always been up in the air i think last season this was thrown around how adam was going to get a love interest even marina told us when we were there at filming that they had thrown around adam getting a love interest but i think that in this case even if samantha falls for him part of me thinks that I don't even know if Adam would really pick up on her flirting Falling with him or him. anything like that. But I think that Kim would pick we'll up, pick on, up it on it yeah, faster than Adam would pick up on it. So like her listening to their conversations undercover. But I don't... Have you guys seen Castle? No. I've seen bits and pieces. They're... So based this storyline reminds me so much of what happens because in the season three... Spoilers for Castle if you haven't seen it. <laughs> spoiler... Uh, the season three finale, Kate Beckett gets shot. And she's laying on the ground and Castle like is like holding her body. And he's like, I love you, Kate. I love you. And then she blacks out. And the entirety of season or like majority of season four, she pretends and tells him that she doesn't remember anything from the shooting, even though she remembers everything. And even that he told her that he loved her. And then she starts going to therapy because she's because she needs to process her PTSD from the shooting and she needs to process what castle said to her and every like her feelings and just everything which is exactly kind of what kim is going through right now um and then like castle finds out that she knew all along that he said that he loved her and then that then he starts dating other girls which i don't think that at this then this part of the storyline i don't think adam would ever date anyone else and i don't think he would ever pick up on samantha flirting with him or anything like that but i think that this kim kind of like going to therapy simultaneously with this potentially happening could lead to some like could to be like oh my gosh like yeah blah, blah. but I don't I don't think but like I don't think Adam would ever like say like he would no never I don't do think that. Adam would ever make like unless it was like purely for the undercover story I don't think Adam would ever like make moves on you know Samantha or, like lean into that no I just wondered, like, I could see, like, we were talking about, like, Samantha potentially having feelings for Adam, and I was just wondering, because we've talked about a long time how, like, 
Adam needed to be the one to try to move on to like maybe wake him up for her feelings. And I was just kind of curious if you guys thought that like this could be in some weird way that storyline. Yeah, I think that I'm hoping that they're going to show her in therapy more and more like focused on like her feeling like her her personal relationships in her life versus right. just her work. And I'm hoping with those conversations that will kind of open it up and then obviously this would be happening simultaneously and then that's what I'm thinking and then in 17 I'm thinking she's gonna be like I need to tell him like how I feel or whatever and then that's when I think something bad is gonna happen to Adam which leads into 18 and 18 being like yeah a love confession putting in quotations don't even know how that would look or what that would look like but yeah yeah that's the theory but I feel like she trusted Adams like Samantha like trusted Adams so much in this episode and called him when like her son was missing and even at the end like I just feel like that's where they're going well and especially kind of out of nowhere like something in her was like I'm gonna trust you I don't know what it is about you but like I'm gonna trust you basically from the beginning yeah so yeah um so we had lots of listener thoughts on this um alexa said we got an uncle kevin mention and it makes me so happy it was nice to hear that kim went to her appointment for therapy i hope to be able to hear i hope to be able to hear that it goes regularly instead of being dropped by the wayside in a couple of episodes um she also pointed out we got one little bit a few weeks ago with Torres not wearing a white shirt but he's back to wearing white which like <laughs> i'm not surprised not surprised he's predictable yes goodness um Aaron who might be the same person as Lauren we don't really know we've never seen the two of them in the same room at the same time um that should change we'll this, weekend. this weekend yeah yeah um Aaron said dadum forever yes yes mm-hmm. oh my goodness he's such an amazing dad and watching him watch her skating and playing hockey with Jordan was the cutest thing in the entire world it was probably the cutest scene in all of PD history seeing Uncle Kevin and Jordan too was just icing on the cake and she said, Michaela feels so ha- safe and happy, and it's just wonderful to see all the family she has around her. I love that little family so much. Do you guys ever think about the fact that, like, basically in that episode in Tender Age Child, she basically, like, found her parents? Yeah. She found her safe place, like, her people. Yeah. She just, like, left the house and, like, found her parents. I know. Fate. You're going to make Lauren cry. Doesn't take much. Fate. Yeah, I know. Fate. Lily Fate. Love you. Let it out. It's a safe place. I really love them. Sorry. No, we don't apologize. No, like, it's just like... (laughs) So, Aaron also said, Patty really killed this episode, which he did. Yeah. Killed it. Um, I mean, Adam episodes are always my favorite, and Patty always kills it, but, like, he was brilliant this episode. Yeah. 100%. So good. Absolutely. Aaron said, I was not expecting all the Berzik in this episode. I was hoping maybe for, like, one scene, but, oh, my goodness, there was so much. Um, And she said, I also love whenever she just takes over and sits at his desk. I know it is pretty cute. It is pretty cute. I can already feel a shift in their relationship, and I'm loving it. She's so worried about him. And when he said it reminds him of them, my heart. There was so much us and we and our daughter and my daughter. Oh my God. It was like a dream episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the scene was Adam checking on Mac. It really can't get much cuter than that. They're the best father daughter duo. Him grabbing her hand and watching her sleep was just, and then emojis like emojis everywhere. 
and then she said the case was kind of scary though i'm a little worried for adam because he cares so much and i'm afraid he might get in a little too deep but kim will pull him out of it i know it this episode was so well done and probably one of my favorite episodes of the season just excellent I think if he, I don't think he'll get too deep, actually. I think Mac will keep him from doing that. He knows he can't go too deep because then, you know, it puts Mac in jeopardy. I think, I think the thing is, though, he, I think he's going to go deep, but he's going to be able to pull him out of, like, I don't think he's going to go as deep as we've seen him in some other undercover situations. Yeah. Because of him having Mac. But I, I think he'll go deep. I mean, he clearly already cares about Samantha. Yeah. So. Um, and then last up, Devin A said, excuse me while I live in my happy little Berzik bubble. I love the reference to the whole Berzik water friendship. Kim told Kevin about what she went through and how she wants to get better for herself, Mac and Adam. And I was a complete puddle of emotions when Adam was tucking Mac into bed. It really showed that Kim and Mac are 100% his whole world and he will do anything to protect them both. But actually, though. But actually, though. But actually, though. Sobs. Datum forever. Berzik family mm-hmm. just means so much. They're so yeah. perfect. I'm like kind of on a like I know this is how PD rolls these days, but like it's kind of a bummer that like the next episode is a void episode. Although it is Jesse's directorial debut, but like still, it's like kind of a bummer that it's like oh man, we're getting a void episode, and then especially knowing that like 17 and 18 are probably going to be Berzik episodes. I'm like, yeah, I yeah. Know. But we'll see. I mean, I'm excited to see Jesse's directorial debut. Yes, me too. And Brian T's because it's the same week. Yes. They always have boy episodes right after we come back from a long hiatus. Always. Huh. Always. But I guess my question is so like kind of like if so you if you're saying 17 and 18 are Berzik episodes and we have 22, like, do you think we get like another Kevin and Torres episode in the season or no? I hope so. I hope so. Because if seventeen, if eighteen ends the Samantha Beck Beck storyline, then they have nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two for the finale storylines. You think it's gonna end the Beck storyline? I can see that. Either they're gonna end it there, or they're gonna bring it back in the finale. But that's I what I think. Know, I don't. But who who was the finale last year? Sorry, go on. The finale last year. Why am I blinking? Who was the finale? Anna. Last year? It was Anna. Anna. Okay, so it was a void finale last year. Yeah, I don't know who'd be the finale this year. But the thing is about with the Beck storyline is like, and I don't know how they would do it, maybe. But like, they started it with like Haley and Sean, so like they theoretically could somehow bring the Haley and Sean stuff back into the Beck storyline. And if they're following semi the same timeline and amount of episodes that they did last season. Berzek ended on episode 20 like that was their season finale quotations yeah so I could see them having 18 be their finale quotations and then the other storylines coming up I would honestly yeah. love a Kevin finale I'd love a Taurus finale I'd love an anything that's not Voight finale I know but then also I hate to be like I hate Voight finales because then I'm like I don't care what happens to this man. So- right. I mean like it's like we were not worried at last year at all in the finale. Literally did not care. So it is like nice, but it's also like let someone else have the finale. Exactly. So we'll see. But I I don't know. I don't know if they could stretch the Beck storyline. I mean they definitely could stretch it. But well, I guess it depends on like. I, yeah, I think if they do seventeen and eighteen as Versic, then that may be hard to stretch it. I just. <sighs> 
I just literally need them. Whatever they do, I just don't want Mac to be involved at all. Like Mac just... can stay. Mac can stay in her happy bubble, far, far away from all of this. Because the whole Burzak thing this season has been like growing and healing together. So yeah. I'm hoping that they don't just like rip it to shreds. I don't think so. I I could see them like we said. I could see them saying like Adam gets hurt or like something like that, but not like he's gonna die but like we don't know that he's not gonna die you know like and yeah. kim gets spooked like i could see them doing something like that that's why i think it's like the, that's like the 17 finale and not necessarily the whole season finale yeah but i don't know i just feel like as we get closer and closer to the finales it's like they're gonna all the shows are gonna start like setting up their like you know exactly. arcs for the season finale so i'm just kind of wondering it's like okay well what is pds exactly is it back related is it not back related are we introducing a whole ass other thing like is sean come back in the fold at any point like yeah because they left that open-ended yeah and like because sean ultimately led them to the backs like in some weird way they probably could bring in both of them at some point but i don't know yeah so hi, wow Lamy has appeared hello hi Bryna. my podcast hello <laughs> okay so for our listeners out there this is the amy that i'm always referencing this is not patron amy this is the amy it's me yeah say hi it's me it me hello so so amy what did you think of chicago pd this week i tried curling my hair um i heard that taylor kenny is not on the show this season <laughs> taylor okay so taylor kenny okay go on and I read an article about it and they put in the show that he's at fire, uh, like arson investigation camp, not camp. <laughs> That's actually very specific. Like I'm actually pretty impressed with that. Thanks people magazine. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I was like, they're going to be proud of me. Too. I'm totally oh. proud. Don't worry. It's been a kind of wheels off kind of night. So our poor listeners, when they're listening to this, they're going to be like, what the hell got into them? It's okay. It's okay. So I went downstairs to grab Amy. What were you guys talking about? We were just talking about like the season finale. Yeah, the season finale. Like what's happening? Is the Bex going to be the season finale? Like (laughs) what is happening over here? (laughs) I whispered to Amy to tell her. Which was back there that she's just tell her to say that I love Burzak, but she said I love Prozac. I mean, I love Prozac, but that's because I, you know, I love Prozac, but that's because it keeps me normal. We stand mental health on the show. It's been that kind of night. It's been that kind of night. But yes, I could see the finale being something with the backs. Unless, because you know how as we get close to the finale, every season takes like that left turn where it goes into like really weird territory and that ends up being the finale. I could see that too. Yeah. So. I don't know. Any other notes on PD? Best, one of the best episodes, if not the best episode of the season. It was good. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Period. And the cliffhanger really helped to like keep us invested because most episodes get wrapped up and you're just kind of like, okay, but like they're still going. So I was like, all right, all right. No, I'm actually very invested in this case. Yeah. It's good. It's really good. Good. So I think that's about all we've got for this week. I think we went like three and a half hours, didn't we? 
Mm, no, we started at like 8.45, my time. Oh. 3.15. So like just over three hours. Yeah. Okay. Math. Whatever. Yeah. All right. That's what happens when you got the three of us in one place to record together. Well, virtually-ish. Virtually, but we're going to be together tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Literally in less than 10 hours. 12 oh, hours. Wait, 10 hours. No, like more than that, because we land at like one something. No, we land at noon. Less than two. Twelve. Less than like two 12 days. Yes, Amy. <laughs> yep. Twelve hours. So we're gonna be together this week. Meet us in Molly's takes New York City. Less than twenty-four hours. Yeah. Yes, less than twenty-four hours. Yep. So. So twelve. Twelve hours. <laughs> no, twelve <laughs> hours from now is gonna be ten in the morning or eleven in the morning. But we. No, but you're gonna fast forward an hour, Gina. We will be landing in about 12 hours. Good job, Lauren. Thank you. I went to law school. They did not teach me math. Leave me alone. (laughs) As always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, TikTok. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Uh, Yeah, email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. If you like the pod, which I really hope you do because you just made it to the end of this crazy wheels off episode. Please leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. We would love that. Lauren, did you just make a fart noise with a stress toy? <laughs> no, I'm perfect. <laughs> this is our life. Brenda, you have to put up with this all weekend. Are you ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh! In the meantime, where can we find you on socials? Or do I need to recite this for you? You can recite it. Okay, so Lauren is on Twitter at Ruzix Burgess. Ruzix plural. R-U-Z-E-K-S Burgess. Um, Where else are you? You're Lauren Freitling on, on Instagram. Yeah, I guess you can follow... Everything but the kitchen sink. You better pod. follow everything but the kitchen sink pod. And I mean, we're you know, yeah. I'm like, plug. You should go follow all of our socials for some fun things happening. Yeah, coming up. Wink, wink, hint, hint. Everything but the kitchen sink pod. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. No. No, no Twitter. No. You guys gotta fix that. No. No. What am I gonna tweet? Okay. Well, let me just tweet it. Okay, well, if you're not going to follow everything but the kitchen sink on Twitter, just follow Jimmy, which most of you already are, so. Facts. Facts. Or me if you're a Burzek enjoyer. I can be found at Amy Jim. (laughs) Yes, Amy can be found at Amy Jim, but she doesn't tweet. You can find her on Instagram. (laughs) If you like gymnastics. Which I hope you do. It's all gymnastics. But. Amy is my bestie. She's my BFF. So, like, you should follow her because she's my BFF. It's just travel pics and adult gymnastics. It's just travel pics and adult gymnastics, but it's still pretty cool. So, yes. Follow Lauren. Follow Amy. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I'm at Bryna K13. Follow Everything But The Kitchen Sink. Our friends of the pod, Lauren and Jimmy, of course. Um, Yeah, we're in New York City this weekend. So, like, keep an eye on our socials. We're going to have a blast and cause all sorts of trouble. Probably drive Bryna insane. Um. But it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. So keep an eye on our socials. Uh, we don't know what we're doing next week. The shows aren't on. So like. Well, we have something fun that you guys will see in a couple weeks. Yes. No, that's not it. No, we're talking about something else. Yeah, no, I was like, something wait, else. that's the other thing. <laughs> yeah. Just like stay tuned. Stuff is happening. So yeah. uh, 
yeah in the meantime everybody have a great weekend keep an eye on our socials we're just gonna have a blast in new york city um and yeah we will see you guys if not next week we'll see you the week after we'll see you soon okay bye